This is an Age of Sigma podcast, which may contain explicit language. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 9 of Mortally Wounded. I am your host, Chris Welfare, and... I'm also your host, James Maybury. Yay! Woo! Back! James is back. <laughs> How are you going? Yeah, good man. Good. It's good to be home. Um, six months away from everyone and uh, from my wife and from friends and from the hobby. is um, It's a killer. Oh, tell you what, I was missing it so much. But it's so good to be home. I've only been home three weeks now, but um, already been getting back into hobby and um, yeah, just spending maximum time with, with Sam and uh, visiting f- friends and family. Yeah. Just sort of slowly reintegrating back into society, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all, we all missed you, and it's good to have you back. So hopefully we can huh. see your your nice death army out about in some more tournaments and games. and. Yeah. Yeah, like I really wanted to be able to produce a, a new army for CanCon uh, next year. But, um, yeah, just the time. I've, so I've decided to just uh, expand on my the Nighthaunt element of my army and just go full pure night haunts using yeah. legion's abilities and yeah so i've been working on working on that just painting up more spirits uh painting up more banshees and can wraiths uh yeah just building a, a 2000 point army for um for cancon next year oh and a um and a display board so i've been working on that too so yeah i've seen some pics and stuff of that early on online and looking at it in person looks really cool it'll be cool when it's done so it's getting there yeah <coughs> yeah no awesome so i think this show is just kind of going to be a catch-up, hobby progress, what have we done over the year. Um, I think we'll use it to cover off a number of tournaments that I've been to that yeah. you you weren't there, obviously, as you were away, so we can kind of just... I'm not going to do full episodes on them, but there's things I want to mention about all of them, so it's yeah. kind of cool if we can just chat about it and talk about them, because obviously we haven't really caught up much, so yeah, it'd be fun to just do that stuff. Um and then, yeah, we can talk about kind of, I guess, upcoming stuff that we're working on, which is mainly going to be prep for CanCon, really. So what armies we're planning on taking and kind of maybe talk through them a bit. And, um, yeah, yeah, we touch on some, maybe touch on some Gore Chosen, I think, because you played that a bit on the ship. Yeah, yeah, I played some Gore Chosen. Um, had a guy on board who was keen. Um, he's a bit of a 40k player, but, um, but he... Uh... He was open to playing some Gore Chosen. A lot of interest as well from other people. A lot of uh, expressions of, oh, let's, let's play, let's play. But uh, just the routines on board sometimes are a bit prohibitive with yeah, um, yeah. lining up with the right people. But um, no, it was good. Uh, yeah, just played, played Gore Chosen a number of times. We, we got pretty um, efficient with it towards the end. Got to know um, each character really well, which is cool. I think my favourite is uh, definitely the Skull Grinder. Yeah. He's, uh, he's my favourite character because he just pumps out the wounds from afar yeah i love that model yeah as well like yeah. i need to it just never finds a place in my aos armies at the moment and i love him and he's only 80 points and he he could go crazy and just do loads of damage so mm. i want to put him in but i just never do yeah i think uh, yeah we'll talk about it like what's in my list because i'm going to be playing corn at cancon anyway and Ooh, most of, most <laughs> of next year so we'll talk about that in a bit i think but um yeah. but yeah no it's um it's cool, um, so I think we'll cover all that stuff off, and yeah. Yeah, cool. Definitely. So, let's, where should we start? I don't even know. Um, well, let's let's start from the beginning, shall we? Start, <laughs> let's take it back. Yeah, so which are, so how many tournaments have you played in this year? 
So, since you, like, for the whole year? So, or, I guess, well, like, we, but the first one, since June, I guess, or... Yeah, so after Slaughter, um, which obviously I ran in June, the weekend you left. Yeah, that was actually the weekend. Um, yeah, I was sailing away and you were running a tournament. Yeah, so, obviously, we've done the Slaughter episode, so we won't go into that, but yeah. um, that was good. Um, then, obviously, I went over to the UK and took part in Element Games Grand Slam, Eggs. Um, so, that's kind of definitely something I wanted to talk about, um... That was a really cool tournament. Like I, I loved it. Like most of the UK kind of podcasters and stuff were there, so I was quite excited to to meet them and um, kind of said hi and yeah, obviously met all of the Face Hammer guys and yeah. met Gary and Andy and Chris and the Black Sun. Do they know who you were? No, I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I wasn't expecting them to. What do you mean um, they don't listen to Mortally, Mortally Wounded? No. Oh God! <laughs> I didn't even mention it like at all on the weekend. I never. I never even said like, oh, I do a podcast. I was like. These people don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, that was that Did was. You know who I am? Yeah. No. <laughs> it was. Um, it was one of those weird things where, like, when I particularly when I went and said hi to Gary um, from um, Age of Sigbra, like, I know who Gary is, and I don't know why, but I went over and I was like, "Hi, Andy," and then like, he would, like went to say like. I'm Gary. And I'm like, I know you're Gary. I don't know why I missed that one. <laughs> it's just like, for God's sake. He's just a person. Um, <laughs> a bit starstruck, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just funny. But then after that, it was funny. Like, that, he was taking, um, he just took an off-the-wall um, ogres list to that. And mm. I think he was around the bomb tables most of it. So yeah. it was quite funny. I was making jokes that like, every time we'd catch up after a game, I was like, how's the, uh, how's the OP ogres? And he'd be like, yep, OP. After getting another major loss yeah. and stuff, so no, nah, it was funny. Compendium um, OP, it's a myth. But yeah, no. Um, so no, eggs was really cool. Um, it was great to just meet all of these people. Obviously, I've been listening yeah, to absolutely. and the podcast was really the thing that kind of really got me enthused for Age of Sigma because it was the thing that I started listening to when I moved over here initially. When I didn't, yeah. I wasn't playing Warhammer. I didn't really know people. It kind of, I knew, I, obviously I still had the interest in Warhammer, but I didn't have any of my models with me. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. So I kind of started listening to the podcasts then. Mm. And um, it weirdly like it kind of helped with the move. It made you feel like you had like this friendship group of people that were talking to you, even though you're just listening to them talk. Yeah. Um, so actually, like, I owe a lot, I think, to how into Age of Sigma I am to just listening to the podcast and stuff. So it was so good to get to meet them all and and yeah. and stuff. And my first game, I got to play Byron as well, and that was awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, well, me me and Dan were both there, and um, we turned up, and I think we were some of the earlier people to get there, and we kind of got to the shop, and it's that awkward thing where we kind of we turned up and we we're standing there, and then. Byron just immediately kind of walked over and was like, hey, how are you going? And, like, that man is just so personable. Like, he just he just can chat to anybody and just immediately makes you feel welcome. And so, yeah, he just started talking to us and we said, like, oh, yeah, obviously you've come over from Australia and everything. And then we, I needed to finish painting my army. Um, I needed to get my fulminators ready. So I went over to the painting desk they have in the corner because if anyone doesn't know Element Games, it's... um at the Northwest Gaming Centre in the UK. And um, it's awesome. You go in, you walk through their shop, which is really nice. They've got loads of stuff. And then you walk into their kind of gaming hall, which is this big open space. They've got loads of tables and stuff in there. Um, and then kind of on the left, as you walk in, they've got a couple of painting stations that are just permanently set up as well. And they've got airbrushes there as well. So you can just use airbrushes. And yeah, right. Byron was like constantly talking to people through the um, like through the weekend about 
how to airbrush, and I think he sold probably a few people an airbrush. He was when I was there actually, yeah. I was painting, and he was talking to M um, from who used to work for Games Workshop doing the painting videos with Duncan. Okay, um, she's yeah. Electric Eve on Twitter. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. M Durrant, and she's lovely. Like me and Dan had a like proper chat with her. I think she was staying in the the Premier Inn just over the road where we were. So. I think on the Sunday night, actually, because we were staying until the Monday, she was staying there as well. Um, everyone else had kind of gone home, but we ended up having dinner with her and just getting to talk to someone that's done these painting videos for Games Workshop and worked at Games Workshop. We were talking to her for, like, three hours, and it was just amazing, like, because she's obviously an incredible painter. Yeah. And, like, Dan's a good painter. I'm not a good painter, but just talking to her about techniques and what to do, and she was super friendly as well and just, like... She was like, yeah, she just hangs out on Twitch and paints stuff and was like, oh, yeah, you can just jump on and, like, ask me questions in the chat and stuff like that. So that's really cool. I actually keep meaning to do that is just jump on when mm. she's doing some of her painting and yeah. and stuff because now I've met her and, and stuff. But that was really cool. Um, but she didn't have an airbrush and she'd always been curious. So Byron was just, like, kind of giving her the lowdown on airbrushing and everything like that when um, I was sitting at the station painting. Um, so that was cool. Um to just get to talk to them, but... Do you have to bring your own paints? Or is it no, all just... No, there? it's all just, there. Just use it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I had my own, because obviously I was using specific colours. Yeah. Um, actually, you might need your own paints, I'm not sure. I can't remember now, because okay, I was yeah. using my own, but... But yeah, it's just really cool. And then obviously they've got all the terrain at the back, they've got all the tables. I think they can probably get 50 tables in there. Um, so yeah, well, Facehammer is held there. So it's a pretty big space. It's, it's like 100 yeah. people. And yeah, they've just got a simple, but effective bar in the corner yeah. which is really good so yeah it's a great kind of it's a venue that can just keep everyone there and they had the tv and we were like playing like games like jackbox tv on the tv in the evening which was quite funny um i think terry pike was loving it and um, there were some quite rude things going on on the tv which was quite funny um <laughs> but yeah i just i'm not going to run through all of my games and stuff in detail but getting yeah turning up and finding out that i was matched against byron for my first game i was like awesome like <laughs> I already like have spoken to this person and I, I feel like I know him already from listening to Face Hammer podcast yeah and he's got a beautiful army so I just got to look at it play it like this is the this was an earlier version of his now I guess famous Phoenix kind of based mixed order list that he won the GT finals with yeah so like it's a solid army um and yeah I got to play it play it game one um I'm trying to think what scenario we played now because it would have been old so you had Stormcast, you had your Stormcast. Yeah, so I had my I had my um Tempest Lords Harbinger Chamber list. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. that I did the mini sode on. Um and yeah, I can't think what scenario we played. It was there was like the three diagonal objectives. It was one of the old ones where oh escalation. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. The new escalation, like the well, revised escalation. The revised, yeah. The, yeah, it was the revised escalation, but obviously this yeah. was old handbook. Um, but anyway, yeah, we played that. It was a really close game um, in the end. I had, uh, a, I messed up a tiny bit when I set up my fulminators with a few characters behind them. That they were just within three inches of a piece of mystical terrain because the token had slipped, and so I didn't see it when I set up. So I was a bit gutted when we started the game, and I was like, "Oh, I'd never set up within range of mystical, but I've put them there. I wasn't intending to be within range, but oh well." Oh. And then I rolled three ones for the first three rounds of the game. No, you didn't. I did. Oh, so no. my fulminators had to just sit there while his phoenixes oh, were man. like flying oh. in and killing my stuff, and That's because my heroes <laughs> were behind them, 
I couldn't get my other heroes out, so I just had this huge chunk of my army that would have been great. Just sitting around, just sitting grass. there doing nothing. Yeah. Um, so my prime had a lot of work to do, but he did well. But in the end, I managed to beat that list. I didn't kill, I didn't kill either of the phoenixes or the dragon. I didn't even touch them. I was just like, nah, it's model count. I'm just going to kill all his models. Like I killed the wizards with the prime scepter over a couple of turns, and then yeah, the prime. It came down turn two because I needed him because the yeah, other stuff was stuck yeah. doing fuck it, fuck all. Um, <laughs> but even with four attacks, he can just batter normal units. Yeah. So I just was killing his troops. I was like, right, I'm just going to kill your troops. I don't care. Yeah, prime time. You can have a few phoenixes, but yeah, you kind of underestimate how much work that dragon and the phoenixes can do and just how fast they are. Mm. I was like, oh shit. I think we, the first few turns were a bit slow. Um, and then I think Byron was like, oh, I think I got quite far ahead mm. and I think Byron was thinking he, there was no way he was going to do this and then he started looking at the board and was like I think he realised actually he could probably kind of pull it back or make it quite close so he was like we need to get to turn 5 and I was like yeah that's fine so we were then playing really quick Yeah. Um, but in the end I beat him by one point Oof. so it got pretty close that is um, close yeah I think it wouldn't have been as close if my formulators weren't messing around for 3 turns but um, yeah but yeah, the list is really cool, and Byron plays it really well. Like, everyone's said this loads of times, obviously, and the list has evolved since I played it, and I think it's stronger now for it than it was at the time I played it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really cool. Just awesome to play Byron, had a great game, and we obviously managed to get that win, so I was pretty happy. Yeah. Um, and then what I played, Liam Cook with his Sylvaneth, um, obviously knows what he's doing. I was actually feeling really ill that weekend, was the only thing. Um I'd been in the UK travelling around for like two and a half weeks, I think by that point, not really staying in one place for more than two days. Yeah. I'd flown literally to Amsterdam for a day and a half before going to Element Games because it was right at the end of my holiday. And so I think I was really starting to feel ill. Yeah. Bit like jet, bit over jet lags, different food. Just yeah. Yeah. Just to be honest, awful. Like while me and Byron were setting up, I had to like I Honestly, looked around for a bin because I thought I was about to just wretch, <laughs> like setting oh, up. Seriously? I was like, "Oh my god, I feel terrible," but we'll play this game. Yeah. And then I played Liam, and yeah, I just felt so bad. And it's probably the worst I've played a game of Warhammer in like since Age of Sigmar started. I think <laughs> um, my game against Liam because I know what to do against Sylvaneth, and I had two Heraldors, and I put one of them in the sky. He never came down. Oh. Five turns of the game, didn't roll a three up for a Heraldor, which is like perfect against Sylvaneth, oh, but man. I shouldn't have put him in the sky. Yeah. And then I like left my defensive formation to charge some Fulminators into his woods, which again was just dumb. No, he never um, no. And yeah, I just, I don't know why I went for his home objective straight away. I think literally it was turn one, so he got five points, which I would expect Sylvaneth to do. Hmm. For some reason, I felt like I was on the back foot, so I went for his home objective straight away with my Liberators. Which was just pointless because he had Colonel Thanatos and I wasn't going to do anything. And I should have just killed the Dryads on one side. That would have been mine for the rest of the game. Then I could have killed the Colonels on the other side. But um, yeah, I just I, I felt awful and I played it really badly. So um, Liam absolutely smashed me um, on that game. The Prime came down though on like turn three, I think. And mm. I almost ended up tabling Liam. I think he was oh. quite surprised because the Prime came down and killed Durthu... My drac my fulminate is actually that I charged through the woods. I think I got the double turn and with the mortal wounds from the shooting attacks I killed his Tree Lord Ancient, which mm. is why I'd gone after it. Yeah. So yeah, then Durthu came down and killed uh, sorry, Prime came down and killed Durthu, and I'd killed the Tree Lord Ancient and I killed his Colonel Thunters all with the Prime. So I was, he was like 
oh, I don't think he was expecting quite how much to go. But um, yeah. yeah, so that knocked me down. Um, and then I ended up playing Kane, Holloway, um, for game three, which was... Also, I was playing uh, Border War against Liam. And then game three, I played Kane, Holloway, with really cool Beast Claw Raider list using Bragoth's Beast Hammer um, and a Skull. And that was in three places of power. Um, and I managed to get the major on that. Oh, um, nice. It ended up being closer than I expected, but I, yeah, I basically just went first turn, put heroes on the objectives, put my prosecutors in the way of his Frost Lord on, uh, or of his... How many um, beasts did he take? Did he take the full four? Did he take four, or...? No, 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 it was just the one Frost Lord. Just the one? On Stonehorn, because okay. of Bragoth's yeah. Beast Hammer. Right, I see. You have to yeah. take a Frost Lord on Stonehorn, okay. and then you have to take two packs of Mournfang Cavalry, two packs of Gorgrunters. So, okay, so it wasn't your sort of... Um, and then he had a yeah. Hunter... In the skull, so he only had two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the Frost Lord, obviously, though, could do a lot, but I just put prosecutors and liberators in the way no, of my characters. So I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, yeah. It's going to take you two or three combat phases to chew through this because I'm just going to create a wall. And by that point, I had enough points. And then when he did bring something down, I just brought my prime down, killed something, and sat my prime on another objective. Mm. But um, I don't think I ended up killing his Frost Lord. I think he came over at the end and you killed my prime. To. but... As long as you, if you can neutralise or isolate something... Yeah, I got ahead in points. It's just as good. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I just went first, blocked him off, and just... Yeah. As soon as his hunter appeared on the board, I just shot him, and, yeah. Um, but Kane was a really nice guy. Um, that was a really good game, so... Um, yeah, I think that was day one. And then, like I say, in the evening, we just um, played games on Jackbox TV and um, and just generally kind of chatted to people. Yeah. Um, and then... Day two, I got to play Chris Tomlin, the first game, oh, wow. which was awesome, because um, I'd been chatting to Chris a fair bit as well on the first day, so we were both kind of looking forward to just getting to play each other, and we sort of said before, like, we didn't know, I was like, I don't actually know which way this is going to go, because normally Iron Jaws aren't necessarily that great in the meta, but weirdly against Stormcast, I've always found Iron Jaws a bit of a threat, yeah. certainly against Prosecutors anyway, because... Normally, like, obviously, if I want to shoot, I have to be 18 inches away, and yeah. Iron Jaws in their formations have the movement to make it to you in one turn, whereas other armies, generally, you're, like, 18 inches, you can't get me in one go, yeah. so you never take damage, but Iron Jaws, because they're so fast, and if they meet me, they'll just kill me, I was like, I don't know which way this will go, but because of my formation that I was taking, letting me drop 18 and then fly further away, it kind of kept me safe, yeah. um, and in the end, yeah, we were playing Gift from the Heavens, um, and yeah, I... He had some, one of his units of brutes just could not kill my prosecutors and it just held him up and I think I ended up killing him and sweeping across to get his objective. My prime came, my prime came down on like turn two and killed his cabbage. Um, and then, yeah, I think, if I'm honest, I think he made a mistake because he put his 10 hard boys and his big unit of brutes and Mega Boss Crunk. Well, he was off to the side actually, he never really used him, but his big unit of brutes and his hard boys were all just standing on his objective if you, in my opinion, if you're taking a big unit of brutes, that should have been running at mine, and you put the pressure on me to take my own objective. Mm-hmm. But he just sent the mega boss and two pigs, two units of pigs, and I killed the pigs, and then killed the mega boss, and then there was nothing to put pressure on mine, and I was pressuring his, so everything had to just stand there. But I was just shooting his brutes, whereas so because they were standing on the objective, not mm-hmm. fighting me, they're just standing there dying, yeah. not not doing any damage, but they can do so much damage. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, so I managed to get the major win on that one. Um, so then I, by that point, I was on three major wins, one major loss. So I was like, oh, okay, I've kind of pulled this back a bit. Hmm. 
And then my final game, I played Chris Green with KO. Um, and that was kind of the army that I'd really thought about when building the list, as I talked about on the mini-sode I did, yeah. um, in terms of how I built that list to be able to play KO. Um, and yeah, managed to... That was on Blood and Glory. Um, and I managed to get the auto win, the major win on turn three, by controlling all four points. Yeah, nice. It shot off pretty much all of my army in like two turns, but I just had enough to... I didn't have one. I didn't have any models on one of them, but I'd claimed it earlier, and he hadn't moved any models to it, so it was so, still mine. Yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, ended it on yeah four major wins, one major loss, um, and yeah, so I was pretty pleased with that. As a sounds like a podium. Yeah. What'd you get? Third. Third. So yeah, I was I was very chuffed um, to get that, and got a photo with kind of everybody, like all the podcasters and everything there. I got a photo with everyone at the end, which was awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was really cool. The The main thing I want to talk about um, was the painting, though, that they okay, did. Because yeah. they did, obviously, the painting kind of competition on the Saturday night. <clears throat> yeah. And um, they kind of nominated the top eight. Um, so, judge, so they've got judges that go around and yeah, so nominate, the, similar to what So it was Tim um, was the kind of Element Games manager who mm. was running the event. So I think he, he picked the top eight. Yeah. Um, Dan Brewer here actually got into that. Top oh, nice. eight, Excellent. which is great for him for his Skaven. So yeah, he was up there, um, and then Eve, uh, sorry M, so Electric Eve, um, M was there with her pink and white kind of Sylvaneth, which was really cool. Um, Chris Tomlin obviously with his um, Iron Jaws. Um, who else was up there? Les obviously with his beautiful Stormcast. Um, Terry was there with his Chaos list with Glocking conversion. Uh, Mark Wildman was there with his Zinch. Oh, who am I forgetting now? Oh, um, oh, forgetting his name. I think it's Matthew. I want to say, I can't remember his surname. I feel really bad now. Uh, but Matthew was there with this really cool converted dark elf army that was like dark elves and seraphon. Um, oh well, like a mixed mixed order sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was really, yeah, it was like dark elves riding the like stegodons and stuff like that. Um, okay. Well. And the. All of the banners had like freehand pieces of art basically on them. Wow. Like they were all like artwork of some kind of sea creatures. There was like a, a kraken, a shark, like different types of shark and stuff like that. But they were phenomenal. Like the freehand on those banners was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, is that everyone? Chris, Inspiring. Les, Dan, Terry, Matthew, M, Mark. I think there's one more that I'm forgetting and I feel really bad now. Oh, Byron, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Byron's beautiful turquoise um, kind of elves. Yeah. So yeah, they were the eight. Um, so yeah, the I just wanted to kind of talk, like, for me, Dan, like, I didn't really, I didn't think about Dan's that much because I've seen it a lot and it's really nice. It's one of the really nice armies here. Yeah. But those armies there, I think there were some of them where they were just, I don't think Dan will mind me saying this, they were just another level Yeah. Um, in terms of the painting standards. So I kind of, it took me ages actually, I was really agonising over my decision because you could you did a first and a second preference and th there's no categorised kind of scoring, it's all up to personal taste. Yeah. But like when I, so when I think about painting I try and go technical painting, like it's a combination of how technically well it's painted, how nicely it's kind of presented and how much it, like, it just looks 
nice to look at. Yeah, colour choices. Like freehand and stuff like that. Conversions come into it. And when I was looking at these armies of that calibre, it was actually really hard for me to like pick. And I was going around for ages just like re-looking at stuff and almost trying to find flaws so that I could rule armies out. Yeah, Um, that's that's the hard part. So in the end, I voted for Chris... Um, Tomlin's Iron Jaws Um, and he was the overall winner in the end Um, just because technically his models his painting is beautiful like there's so many layers just like the Gorgrunter's skin you can just see how many layers of colour there is just building up Um, I know that all of those brutes are converted so that none of them are the same like Megabrost Crunk was there with his converted claw hand and stuff which was really cool Um, and he presented it on a black cloth so it was presented really nicely like the more crusher in the middle, troops around it, looked really nice, painted really well, converted really well. There wasn't really anything that, like, his bases are super detailed. Like, even just the crackle paint on his bases, like, I know if it doesn't crack how he wants it, he scrapes it off and he does it again and stuff like that. So there just wasn't really anything that kind of flawed it. Mm. So that, for me, got the number one, and it got the overall number one. So I think that was deserving... And then number two, I think I did give to Matthew with the Dark Elves. Yep. Um, Seraphon, because obviously pretty much all of the models were converted. Um, and the freehand on those banners was absolutely exceptional. And the basing, while it ne- didn't necessarily look hard, I was like, actually, that would be really hard. Because it was kind of like, it was kind of like a grey, white gravel, I think, that he'd done on all of them. But he'd kind of done like... Almost like a yin-yang pattern. So he'd done like the swirls of black and white. So he must have used like null oil wash to darken it so that you had some white gravel, some black. But it was like the spirals with dots in the middle. Hmm. But it was just so well done in terms of trying to just paint gravel. It didn't look jagged. It It looked really nice and smooth. And he'd done it across all of the bases. They all had this kind of black and white marbled kind of swirly basing and stuff that was really cool um so yeah hit, hit, i went for him for second because the freehand on those banners was just absolutely amazing like the whole army was converted and the basing was really cool was it a seraphon army with dark elf elements or was it I actually a i think mixed order? it was a mixed order army yeah, it right. was probably more that they were dark elves yeah um i'm not actually sure what the army list was but yeah. i think it was a dark elf army probably with, with a shitload of but seraphim, using yeah. seraphon monsters and stuff yeah um but yeah it was really tough because i think i think i settled on chris's for number one like okay because i couldn't really find a flaw um i say a flaw i couldn't find something personally that i could mark it down for but all of the others there was something that mm. i was like oh this isn't as good as this but then it was better than others for other reasons. So yeah. um, Matthews, I think I just settled on because out of everything else, it was the most consistent. But I think the thing that was letting his down a little bit for me, and when I say this, <laughs> I am a bad painter. All of these armies were incredible and exceptional. So this is not me like saying that they were bad. It's just saying of amazing stuff, if you have to find something to fault, this for me was the tiny thing that I is pulling it down. Mm. Um, his actual models... Were, were probably some of the worst ones there in terms of painting, like the overall level, just of like looking at the Dark Elves. I think they were they mm-hmm. weren't painted to the same standards as most of the other people's models there. Okay. But where he'd obviously done all the work was the freehand and 
everything like that. So I went for that second. Um, M's, literally, it was just like, like I say, it's just finding the little things that was the reason I maybe went, okay, maybe this just knocks it out for getting my vote, was like the bases for her trees, the because um, obviously it was her Sylvaneth army, so the bases for the Wildwoods, because she displayed it really nicely. Like she had three of her Wildwood bases with all the trees kind of in a semicircle at the back and then put all of the army in front of it, around it. Yeah. So it kind of framed it really nicely. But literally just the rims of the tree bases, I think she just, like, it obviously she'd washed the base and it had run down the edges and she hadn't actually painted the edges of the rims of the tree base. Oh, right. So it's like this tiny little it's minor thing. But, but yeah. once I'd seen it, I was like, oh, okay. And then I think I looked around, like I say, I walked around the table so many times agonising over the decision. Um, and I think I just looked at the back of Valerial, the beetle, and I think the underneath of the carapace was quite plain. It was like pink, maybe a little bit of dry brushing. And I was like, okay, that's not quite up to the level of the rest of it. Hmm. So that's why M didn't get my vote, but she was right up there. Mark Wildman Zinch. Um, I know a lot of people have talked about it a lot, and I, I really like the demon stuff, like the black and yellow. He's got like black and yellow demons uh, with like, they're mainly yellow, but then black kind of mottling and right. stuff either mm. side of the spines. But he's got so many techniques in there as well. They have like bluish grey flames that he's like gloss varnished and he's got loads of different textures and looks and he had loads of different grasses and colours all over the basing. Um, and that was really cool. I really liked his demon stuff and it was visually very eye-catching, like when you looked at it. But when I got up close to all of like the Zangor and the... Um, yeah, like the Zangor and the um, Skyfires and Enlightened, that kind of stuff, the Arcanite stuff. I think it was quite dry brushed. And for me, because they're such detailed models and he had so many colours going on, hmm. it it just didn't, for me personally, it didn't kind of work. It looked a bit messy compared to the other stuff. And again, this is me saying it looked messy for an incredibly well-painted army. <laughs> um, yeah. Just in terms of the other armies there, it didn't look as clean as the others, yeah. Um, which is why I didn't vote for Marks. But there was a huge amount of models there, and the yellow, the yellow and the black mottling was really cool. And I, I could see all the techniques, but for me, it was just the. I think there was lots of colours dry brushed onto the stuff, and it was just a bit too much. I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Les's army was probably the crispest. Is mm -hmm. that even a word? Like the cleanest yeah. in <laughs> his Stormcast, like. I couldn't see any brush strokes. I couldn't see, like, any, like it's so clean, it's phenomenal. Um, like, and every little rivet on their, like, on the Stormcast armor, like, on the, all the Liberators was painted silver, even if it was on a section that was a different color. And like, I was looking at it, going, "Wow, this is really well painted," but then there wasn't really any conversions in the army, and yeah, right. you don't have to. Like, the Stormcast models are great; they're new anyway. But it's like, a difference between. Who are you going to pick and who you're not going to pick? So yeah. and the and it was super consistent. Every single model there was painted to the same standard. So for me, I think the number one choice was between Les and Chris because Chris's painting was very very good and Les's painting was really really good as well, like super yeah. clean. Yeah. But Les's army just didn't have the conversions, and it to say it looked boring is not fair and not what I mean to say. But it just. It was a bit more plain, I think. It didn't quite pop as much as Chris's did. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, the Star Drake and everything's amazing, but he hadn't, like... 
like you looked at the wings and they were just kind of big, the big flat colour of the membranes, whereas I've seen people do like star fields and stuff like that in them. Yeah. And I think that next level, like a star field in those wings would just help to pop it a little bit more. Because yeah. I just personally thought it wasn't quite as eye-catching as Chris's Iron Jaws. It was exceptionally mm. well-painted, probably technically a little bit better painted than Chris's. Just a tiny margin, but it just was a bit flat compared to Chris's. Yeah. So that's why I didn't go for it. And then Terry's was awesome. Like his glocking conversion, great unclean one, is phenomenal. Like I'd seen pictures online, but it is phenomenal. Yeah. And like his Gaunt Summoner um, and his um, like Zangle Shaman stuff like that were all really, really nice. Yeah. But where his obviously time had been spent was on those character models. Because, like, he had loads of plague bearers and, like, clan rats and stuff in there as well. And they they weren't at the same level. Yeah. Like, I think some of the skin I noticed on, like, the clan rats was pretty much one. It was like a base coat, maybe one layer. It just didn't have the same level of stuff. Like, he hadn't painted the faces on the rats, I remember looking at. Like, the clan rats, the, the faces weren't actually painted. They were just, like, pink flesh. Um, so that, for me, was like, okay, it's not consistently amazing across the whole army like the, mm. i mean the clan rats were still a thousand times better than i could paint a clan rat <laughs> but yeah again in a field that was just full of phenomenal painters mm. that was the thing that just made me not quite vote for um for terry and then byron's was amazing but the army wasn't finished like he had a unit of judicators in there which he like was in the process of painting so he'd just done his like airbrush zenithal highlighting grey shadowing kind of stuff across their armour which still looks amazing like I would want those models as my final models in my army <laughs> but like I said to him are these finished or are you going to make them turquoise because I assumed that, that he would probably be making them turquoise so I said to him like are these finished and he was like no I'm going to do all this so for me I just went okay I can't vote for you because your army's not finished in terms of how strong this field is, as much as some of these models are probably... Like his mage, one of his mage, I think it's converted from the Eldar Farseer model. It's probably the best model I've ever seen in terms of technical painting. The blending on that cloak is just next level. Mm. Like he airbrushes it, but then he's like... He was talking to me and Dan about how he painted it yeah. um, on the evening, I think. And then he's like, there's all these layers of glaze and all this stuff that he goes through that I was just like wow, this is just mm -hmm. something else. Like, yeah. I think there he has the... Of everyone there, I think Byron is probably the next level of painting, but I think he just takes... I think he said it on Facehammer, like, he, it just takes him so long to add a new unit to the army yeah. because of how good the painting is across the models he's finished. So um, it can be forgiven. And, it, yeah, I think Bar Byron got third i think in the painting competition okay but for yeah. me i didn't i didn't vote for it because wasn't finished they weren't finished yeah, and for me i was like i just can't vote for something that's not finished yeah i honestly said to him if they're not finished take them off i was like just don't don't present them but i think maybe you had to present the whole army so probably but yeah that was my that was my thing but yeah the painting was really cool and i, I wanted to cover that because i know it's been talked about a little bit and everyone was like oh surprise surprise a podcaster won like in, like Chris Tomlin, like there's this been this weird thing about podcasters get painting awards because they're podcasters. No, 
they get it because generally people that are exceptional at this hobby <laughs> like podcasting. And then there's people like me that are awful at the hobby and just like talking that podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, yeah, it's like it's generally like people who do the podcasting are the ones who are like fairly well into the yeah. into the hobby. Like I can to say, be there in the first place, I guess. Like yeah, I can know. say having walked around that table for like a good twenty minutes, half an hour, looking at six armies. They <laughs> Chris got that award because he's a phenomenal painter and all of them are phenomenal painters which is why yeah. their armies get nominated for best painted it's got nothing to do with the fact that their it podcasters... sounded like it, it was a room full of podcasters anyway <laughs> yeah it mainly was actually it pretty much was all the podcasting guys which was for my part awesome because they're everyone that I knew about I wanted to meet yeah. so yeah. for me it was great you made all the um, but, um, meet everyone it's great but yeah no so the painting was something I definitely wanted to talk about but um, yeah I think we might take a quick break there and yeah, then, sure. Um, and then, yeah, we can cover off a few of the other events. Sounds good. Cool. Cool. And we're back from the break. Um, Hello. So, yeah. What else? So, RCG 2-2 yeah. happened yep. in November um, up in Brisbane. So, that is a 2,500 point tournament. It was 2,400 points last year, but this year it was 2,500k. Yeah. So that was quite cool to obviously get to use lists that you don't normally get to use, the bigger ones. Um, it was pretty good. I think it was about 50 players. So it kind of doubled from last year. So that was really cool. cool. Um, same venue? Yeah, same venue at Redlands um, City Sporting Club. Yeah. I think that's... Um, which is good because we got the function... The whole we had floor. the function room upstairs. Yeah. They opened the bar this year upstairs. Oh, the upstairs one. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, um, yeah, that's better. So yeah, no, that was cool. Um <clears throat> And How'd you go on that? Would you? Oh, that was. I took Sylvaneth, and I yep. wanted. I wanted to build, like, to start working on my Alarial, just because she's such a cool model. And with me, I never paint anything unless I take it to a tournament. So, I just <laughs> took my Guardians of Alarial list that I took to Briscon, and because it was two and a half k, I went. I can just add Alarial pretty much, like yep. slight change, obviously, to fit six hundred points in instead of five hundred, but. Yeah, I was basically like, do you know what? My Guardians of Alarial list is painted. The thematic addition to Guardians of Alarial is Alarial at 2.5k, so yeah. I'm just going to do that. I didn't think it was going to be that competitive because it's two Tree Lord Ancients and Alarial. It's too many points in three monsters. Um, yeah. But it got me to build Alarial and paint her. Like I did all the base coating and stuff like that on her and everything, so she's completely tabletop playable now, which is cool. Awesome. Um, Were you um, painting models in the car park the night before? Again? I was not. Okay. <laughs> it was done. I wasn't painting. I'm trying to think now. Was I painting? I definitely wasn't painting in the car park. I don't think I was painting anything. No, nah, I think I was all good. <laughs> Just for people who don't know, last year at RCGT, um, Chris was painting up his Stormcast army at the time. And when we landed in Brisbane, while we were waiting for our hire car, there was a mix up with the hire car or something. and we had to wait for a little while before we could get it. Um, so Chris set up on the ground in the car park <laughs> at Brisbane Airport <laughs> painting Stormcast Eternals. I was painting Prosecutor Wings. Because yeah. <laughs> anyone that's painted Prosecutor Wings knows my struggles. I've painted 30 Prosecutors now, by the way. Wow. It's pretty horrific. <laughs> um, it's that Harbinger Chamber. Yeah, and that is done now. <laughs> It'll do it for you. Um but, so you're finished with the Harbinger now? You're just you're moving on? Well, I was finished with Harbinger Chamber last CanCon, like last January, because you can't take it anymore. The formations are too expensive. Oh, that's, it's physically impossible. Well, that's another thing I've missed since I've been away. I've just, even GHB 
2017. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot for me to catch up the on. The game's changed quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. Like I'm already starting to pick up a few things. Um, Obviously, we'll, new we'll scenarios, to... new allegiance abilities, yeah, I've, loads I've of stuff. I've played but... four of the, of the six scenarios already since I got back. Um, and we're going to have play another one today. Um, yeah. But, um, but anyway, yeah, so RCGT... Yeah, so that, you, well, what I do, yeah, so I took Guardians of Lariel, which is a pretty, anyone wants to look it up, it's a fairly standard list. I haven't seen your Lariel, painted Lariel. Yeah, Hard she's to... not finished, I need to finish her, but she's, yeah, she's, all of the base coats are done, yeah. and I started working on her, um, like I did the wings using my airbrush with like a blue fade going out from mm-hmm. like darker blue to kind of electric blue tips and stuff on the face, okay. which looks cool. But, oh, wait, no. I but it's I very, it's very basic. I think I managed to see some progress shots, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, but it's very basic. I started like doing the first layers on her kind of dress hmm. um, to start actually getting that towards kind of cream yep. white. But yeah, loads and loads and loads of time to go. I saw, um, who was it? I think it might have been Green Stuff World. I think they posted on Twitter like a few weeks ago that they've got a range of paints. They've either got them or they're coming soon, but they're like metallic, translucent, kind of beetly shine type paints. I'm not right. describing that well, but they're So like, like um like kind of like flake? No, they don't flake. Oh what are they but they're, um, they're, you know with cars they've got that uh, Chrome. Oh not chrome but they've it's a metallic um it's got the sparkly Okay. Um, yeah, sort of. It's like um, I think it's called flake iridescent or something. Or it's yeah, yeah. Okay. But like yeah. like beetles have like you yeah, can yeah, get yeah. iridescent beetle carapaces yeah. where they're kind of metallicy blue, but in the light they'll change to like yeah. greeny yellow. So they've got paints that do that now. They've got some paint. They've got they posted <clears> this <throat> picture of this paint range that does that, and yeah. I think they demonstrated them all by having painted spoons like metal spoons in a row that oh, yeah. they'd obviously covered the ends of acrylic is it like suitable for I think so I don't or? know if it's airbrush paints or if it's mm. uh, and how to use them but they look like the effect that they had on the spoons is exactly what I want on my beetle yeah so I'm going to try and pick them up and I think find out how they work and use them maybe when I paint it properly because I want that kind of iridescent beetle shining yeah kind of carapace for my beetle so um yeah anyway so yeah I took um Guardians of Valerial, and I think I did okay. I think I got three, two or three wins. It was like, I was very middle, yeah, middle tables, which is kind of what I expected. Yeah. Um, my first game I played a Zinch list that had 12 Skyfires and a Change Host, and I was like, this is not going to go well for me, just mortal <laughs> wounds. And yeah, it was, it was a toned Zinch list versus a yeah, this is a narrative. I wanted to paint this model, so I've taken this list. I kind of <laughs> yeah. didn't care this year because I knew I was still going to make masters, yeah, regardless of where of I placed. Yeah. And I, like I say, I just wanted to start work on Lariel, and I wouldn't have done it if I didn't yeah. submit a list with her in. So, oh, fair um, enough. It's all different different reasons for going to tournaments. It doesn't always have to be going and yeah, and exactly. Face, for me, the, for, yeah. yeah, for me, the one that I wanted to make sure I got into was masters, mm. and because. There was only going to. That was basically the, pretty much the last ranking event of the year, and I'd looked at the rankings and gone, yeah. "I'm not going to get knocked out of this, even if I come last. It's not going to matter." Yeah. So the, I just the rankings choose your top three scores anyway. Yeah. So, I just didn't. Yeah. I, I was like, "This is fine." Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I took that. Um. But RCTT was fun. It was good to see everyone. And like, obviously, last year it was only me and you that headed up there from Sydney. But this year there was whole kind of contingent most of clan filth and stuff went up there and (laughs) yeah so there was a big group of us go up from sydney which was really cool 
Um, and yeah, 50 player events, Evan did really well and he did a cracking job with all the sponsors. He would have been stoked with that too. He did. Yeah. He got so many sponsors and stuff on yeah. um, and everything. And yeah, it was really good. Loads of the Sydney boys got loads of stuff. So I think Chris Top got some stuff. Dan got some stuff. Um, yeah, I think quite a few of them got cool. did really well. So yeah, and I was like middle. Good stuff, guys. I was like middle, I think. So, but that was fun. Um and then what was after Masters? Masters. Okay. Well, obviously, me and Clint ran Moab. Then yeah, that's right. We yeah, ran I've, Moab in. Um, you've done the episode in October, but yeah. we've obviously yeah. done the episode for Moab and stuff. Um, and wasn't, that sounded like a lot of fun. Wasn't playing in that. Yeah, it was really good fun actually. Yeah. I really enjoyed running it. It was fun running an event with somebody else, like with Clint, and just working as a team. Yeah. Um, to do stuff that kind of I was a lot more chilled out. I found that I actually enjoy running events a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. Um. Because when I play, I get weirdly like I always feel awful when I play on the weekends. I just feel it must be a what nerves thing. Even if I say I don't care, it's the some stress part and the of pressure. me must you, care. You because, do, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. Like honestly, RCGT, I didn't care. You have but, what I would say, professional pride. Maybe. But RC- <laughs> can you save that? Can you say honestly, it's professional? Yeah, honestly, I. I <laughs> We're not at RCGT. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. Yeah, but I still get weirdly nervous and feel horrible when I play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get over it, but oh well. Um, but running an event was totally different. So Moab was really good. Um, and yeah, we're going to do it again next year. So we'll hopefully get a lot more teams like travel from Brisbane and yeah. Canberra and come up and hopefully even get some guys from New Zealand. So that'd be really cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, an international event. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously the big one was Masters, which was the weekend you got, you got back. Yeah. It's like I left on a tournament and came back and was at a tournament. So. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, obviously you weren't there, unfortunately, but um, you nearly yeah. made it though. Even being out for half the year, you were almost... High enough up the rankings to get yeah, I know, like, to get an invite. Uh, yeah, like I, I feel like you can you can never say like for for sure, but I do feel that if I had not gone away for so long with work, like there's a good chance I could have been in in the Masters. Yeah, uh, I just, reckon you would have got uh, there. like to get a couple more um, tournaments under my belt, just up my bump my scores up just yeah. a little bit more. It's just um, you just have to place reasonably consistently in two days, yeah, and at the moment there aren't it, yeah. that many two days. Mm. So I think RCGT and Slaughter, if you'd played in them, yeah, I think you did on, would have, would have you did it, on yeah. fine. Yeah, so it doesn't matter how many um, one-day uh, games cubes you can you play. It sort of it only it, takes it, your top three. It won't, it so won't matter so much. The maximum so, you can get yeah. for a one-day is sixty. So yeah, um, yeah, but no. So Masters um, was great. I. I actually just really liked Masters as an event because normally I'm like, oh, it's great when obviously the tournaments through the year are getting bigger and more players, like 50 players. Like, CanCon's hopefully going to kind of be 80-odd players this year. Yeah. And well, I'm it's like, already at 65. 65 now, yeah. At this at time of recording. Time yeah. of recording. Mm. Um, but I reckon, I reckon he'll crack it. I reckon we'll crack it because, like, as as we all know, like a lot of entries come in at the last minute. A lot of people oh, are playing, yeah. playing yeah. right up until, like, the last... Like, yeah. And... Often extensions will have to be made uh, for people to get in there. So I reckon, yeah, eighty definitely yeah, a think, minimum I think, eighty. I think now, I think with the fact we've still got a month to go, although it's, I, it's, we'll I think it's probably three weeks to go until registration mm. ends. I think it's probably now eighty plus. Yeah. Whereas before it might have been, can we get to eighty? But if we're on sixty five now, like, so yeah, anyone that hasn't bought a ticket to CanCon yet, buy a ticket to CanCon. Yeah, Age of Sigma. you don't want to miss out. It's going to be. If you, it'll if you probably really be the go. biggest. Age of Sigmar event in Australia this year. Yeah. Like, you should do it. Definitely. It'll be great. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Masters, I actually... 
I liked because it was only 16 people. So you had, because big events are awesome and you meet loads of people, but because there's so many people there, you talk to a fraction of them. Yeah. Um, but Masters was obviously, pretty much it was half Sydney, half Brisbane. So there was a big group of us went up from Sydney. Everyone knew each other pretty much. We all knew each other. Yeah. Like most of the people, the Brisbane mm-hmm. people, like we knew them play, obviously Luke, Gemma, yeah. kind of all those people like Andrew that I play when I get to go up to Brisbane. And that I like playing experienced people yes as well yeah. because there's less like you don't have to like if i'm playing someone new i will fully explain my army and it can just take a bit of time but mm. i want everybody to know what it does so it was nice not having to kind of do as much pre-explanation yeah, of stuff like, yeah i know what you do yeah, and also yeah. i love being challenged so mm. like playing against tough lists and people that know how to use them i was like i'm really looking forward to this yeah and also not having a super crowded room and there was the pub like we were in a back room at a pub in brisbane yeah so like that was great we had aircon we had the bar like it was great Just, food good food yeah food was quite nice the yeah. pub um so yeah masters was great from a from a tournament's perspective i really enjoyed it um and yeah some cool trophies there yeah, trophies are cool. Clint did a really good job on yeah. like everybody that went got a um, custom like laser etched metal combat gauge. Oh, cool! Um, and like a master's um, tank, like glass tanker. Yeah, I saw those. Yeah, that yeah. Was so that yeah. was everyone got stuff to take home and yeah, yeah. Um, well, if you make it to the masters, like you, you know, you, everyone should get something from yeah. that. Just just being there is is an accomplishment. Yeah, definitely. Um, so no, that was that was really cool. Um, I'm not going to run through all my games and everything but I got to so I played Dave Kerr in the first game um, yeah. what army was he playing? Zinch list Zinch okay so it was like all the heroes you'd Stand, expect Lord of Change sort of God Summoner <laughs> Zangle Shaman Change Changeling host. Blue Scribes no Change Host this time oh, okay Blue Scribes 6 Skyfires 10 Pink Horrors 10 Marauders 30 Zangle 30 Zangle yeah in a single unit oh my god um, so yeah that was his list <laughs> Is that- can, um, can people do that? Yeah. They get, a horde, <laughs> they get a horde discount now as well, James. Oh, God. Oh, the things you've missed out on. I've heard it's like, you know, hordes are the new the new meta now. It's all horde meta. They're, yes, I think they are. Yes and no? Or... I, think, I think people that say that it's not a thing, that's not true, because there are two scenarios where if you have a unit of 20 or more, you trump Specifically people. Specifically like, yeah. Having more models is going to help you in these scenarios. Yeah. But obviously there are still armies that are fairly low model count. Yeah. And also there's kind of the pro- the production or painting meta. Like, mm. it's going to take people longer to add more models to their armies. Yeah. So I think we just haven't necessarily seen it yet. But I think the armies that are going to do well are obviously going to be armies that have got loads of troops and have got, like, that people are going to use those horde discounts. Like, I took a Vanguard wing yeah. with a unit of 30 Liberators because I get a horde discount. I knew I needed a unit, at least one unit that was 20-plus models to help me trump on objectives for scoring and stuff like that. And certainly amongst the Sydney group, we kind of all were in the chat beforehand and we all sort of encouraged each other to kind of take the sort of army that we'd use to get us to Masters, kind of as like a last hurrah. Yeah. So I was like, well, I've played Vanguard wing pretty much this whole year in some kind of form yeah like obviously i took harbinger chamber to rcgt last year then to cancon and then i've like taken vanguard quite a bit so i was like that this feels like for me it was the year of vanguard so and now before vanguard wing gets faq'd and changed because to be fair i think it does need to because Mm. it's cropping up everywhere i was like i'm just going to do this last hurrah then no more vanguard (coughs) 
um, so yeah, I took that, um, I can run through my list, I guess, because I haven't done a show on it, and I'm probably not going to, um, <laughs> just talking through a whole tournament, I, I'm not going to do it, um, but yeah, I took a Vanguard Wing, 30 Liberators, yeah. 5 Liberators, 5 Judicators, 3 units of 3 Prosecutors with Javelins, yeah. um, that's the formation, and then I took 3 Lord Relictors, um, because they're amazing for 80 points, probably too cheap, I'll accept that. Um, <laughs> now that they've got the extra prayers. Yeah. Um, so I took two, and I basically always took the same um, prayers each game, two with Lightning Chariot and one with Blessed Weapons. Yep. And then... you can... You can't take more than one... More, you can't spam artifacts, but you can take the same prayer. Yeah, you can take the same prayer. Yeah. You can take six priests all with the same prayer if you wanted to, and yeah. you can use that prayer. They're not affected by the rules of one. Yeah. So if you took six priests with Lightning Chariot, you could Lightning Chariot six units if you rolled the dice every time. Yeah. Um, and then I took a Hurricanum, um, Celestial Hurricanum with the Mage as my ally, 380 points, um, yeah. out of my ally pool. Stormcast Allegiance? Yeah, Stormcast Allegiance. Yeah. Um, and then I took a Lord Selston on foot, so, um, they were my five heroes. Yep. Selston on foot, obviously, Staunch Defender, Mirror Shield, it's fairly standard. And then I, one of my Relictors, usually the one with Blessed Weapons, I gave, uh, the Sigmarite Pendant, which... Never ever used it. I think the one game it died. I forgot about it anyway, so it didn't really matter. Um, it was basically like I want mirror shield on my general with staunch defender, and that's pretty much it. Um, but yeah, the hurricane I just think was perfect for Vanguard Wing because, like, the Vanguard Wing buff itself works on sixes or more to hit. So having a hurricane which gives you a ten inch bubble of plus one to hit, plus its range mortal wound output, which is something I didn't have a lot of in the army, so that helped. Yeah. And it's a wizard, so I got a Mystic Shield. Yeah. Essentially, that's I only ever used it for Mystic Shield. I didn't, didn't use it for its D6 Mortal Wound spell ever. It was yeah. just there to be a, a, another plus one yeah. for the Liberators. So generally it would be Staunch Defender plus Mystic Shield so that the Liberators are on a two-up savory rolling ones. There's 30 of them that you string around. Yeah. And then they get... Plus Go one Liberators! To, they get plus one to hit <laughs> from the Hurricaneum. And then if I didn't choose to Inspiring Presence them, most of the time I would just use Inspiring Presence as well. But if I didn't Inspiring Presence them, the Lord Celestine's command ability is obviously plus one to hit. Mm. And then if they're attacking anything with five or more wounds, they get plus one to hit because they lay low the tyrants. The Vanguard Wing, sixes or more to hit, you make two wound rolls whilst you're within range of the Prosecutors. For, for the Liberators. Liberators as well, yeah. Wow. Um, That's whilst right. you're within range of the that. Prosecutors. <laughs> and then I took Bless Weapons prayer, and Bless Weapons is... You put it on a unit, and any hit roll of a six or more, you make an extra attack. So you're like three extra attacks per hit. So per six. It was there was a lot of theory hammer behind the list, which some of the guys like Liam gave me a lot of shit for. But as Liam found when we played in three places, <laughs> theory hammer works sometimes, um, because yeah, like just the six grand hammers potentially can do 104 damage. Like if they all hit, wow. and they're like if they're all hitting with the buffs to. Double the wound rolls and double attacks, you can get that much out of it, which is like insane. Super, super liberators. I only got two, so in our game, <laughs> uh, I had three. We played three places, uh, not three places. Duality of Death, and Liam had his Sylvaneth, so he put his Durthu onto one side, um, and I teleported my liberators in, got all of the six grand hammers around him, <laughs> ready for the combat phase. And then my hurricane, I did mortal wounds and a bit of shooting. I think I got a prosecutor shot through to do two damage. And then I think maybe the Celestine's hammer cloak did a couple of mortal wounds. Okay. Because um, so he'd already, I think, I think he'd taken five mortal wounds. 
and then or five wounds from shooting and hammer cloak and then I did my Hurricaneum Storm Shem Tech Attack and just did seven and I was like oh he's dead then before the combat phase <laughs> so I didn't even need to put all my grand hammers into him which then meant when it came to the combat phase like four of them were out they couldn't hit anything because yeah, right. of where he was only two of them were also next to his like unit of Colonel Hunters with sides mm-hmm. but just those two grand hammers just killed the unit of Colonel Hunters with sides in one go Right. It was those two plus like four normal liberators, yeah. but because I'd gone in to go heavy, I had the plus one from my Hurricaneum, I had the plus one from my Lord Celestine's command ability, they have five or more wounds, so I had three plus ones. Did I take damned? I don't think I did, but three plus ones and blessed weapons had gone off as well, so it was all doubling up and doubling up, wow. and I just <laughs> I just rolled so many dice at Liam that he was like... Okay, I'm done. <laughs> had, a, had a bit of a rage quit. Oh, what? Um, there was an hour left to go, and he was like, "That sounds I'm like done. you know, you looks like you've found the recipe for um, like Stormcast as they are in in the books." Yeah, like it, just super like you've got like a small group of um, like a, a, if anyone's read uh, Play Garden, like you've just got this handful of Stormcasts that penetrate into to Nogal realm itself and just wreck face everywhere yeah. they go yeah so it's like this if it, is they were obviously you know these these liberators yeah that you've if been it were like, like if all the buffs go off and it works then they can do insane amounts but yeah, also yeah. if they like literally the difference between blessed weapons going off and blessed weapons not going off hmm. is massive yeah. and most of the time i needed it blessed weapons actually failed um because it casts it need, you need a four up and you can't re-roll it and the amount of times I failed to do blessed weapons mm. was insane. Yeah. Um, but generally it was like the two relicters were there for lightning chariot and you'd lightning chariot up the hurricaneum so that you could put it into range for shooting and then you've got it behind so that when you teleport your liberators, they're blocking it, they're defending it, mm. but in range of its plus one to hit. Yeah. And it just sits there firing mortal wounds from the Storm Shem tech. And yeah. So it was pretty powerful and I knew the list was powerful because at the end of the day it was masters and I wanted to give myself the best chance so that if I didn't win it, there was only going to be myself to blame. Like, there shouldn't be blaming dice. There shouldn't be blaming the list. Like, it was me. And I came second, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know, because I lost that first... (laughs) I lost that first game again. I lost that first game against Dave Kerr. Yeah. Who won? He won. Yeah, he he is the master. So the only person you lost against was the one who, who won. Yeah. I lost that game, though, I have to say. I've decided I don't like lists and opponents being published in advance because I overthought the hell out of that game before we played. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I gamed myself out of it. I met the first turn, <laughs> pre-gamed the first turn, I probably made four massive errors because I had just like so many things in my head, like you need to kill this. Oh, but then you need to kill this and you need to kill this. And then you need to do this. And I think I just did a mismatch of nothing. <laughs> so, like, I just... Oh, honestly, I set up one of my relictors three and a half inches away from my Hurricaneum. Yeah. Which I, 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 don't, I don't know why, because I know it has to be within three of the Hurricaneum. <laughs> so one of them was in range, the other one wasn't. So, obviously, the one that was in range for Lightning Chariot failed to do Lightning Chariot. So I couldn't do it with him. And then the one that wasn't in range with the Hurricaneum succeeded Lightning Chariot, <laughs> just to rub it in. And then I dropped Prosecutors to try and kill his Gaunt Summoner because I knew I needed to do that. I put one unit down in range. I think I measured to make sure I had enough space to put the second unit down in case it came down. And then, like, 30 seconds later, I rolled the dice, it came down, and then I was looking at the Changeling, and I was like, oh, I need to kill the Changeling. And so I put them on the other side, (laughs) 
put them there and then went, oh, hang on, the changeling isn't revealed yet, so I can't even shoot him. <laughs> so, oh, I guess I'll just shoot into your zangor or something. But I was like, what are you doing? They were supposed to be on the other side oh. so that you guarantee kill the Gaunt Summoner. Yeah. Because if I'd lightning charioted the Hurricaneum, it can't fail on turn one to do three mortal wounds. Mm, okay. And then all I'd have to do is get one javelin shot through. Mm-hmm. And because the Gaunt Summoner only has a six-up save, the ones with Rend, he can't use Destiny Dice for. Yeah. So the one unit of three that I shot, I got the two trident attacks from the champion through and one normal one through. So he couldn't do anything about the two trident attacks. So that was four damage. So the Gaunt Summoner has one wound left. He just picked up a six from his Destiny Dice pool to guarantee that he saved the other one to keep the Gaunt Summoner alive. Yeah. And because I didn't put the other unit there, or because I didn't set up my Relicter within range of the Hurricaneum, I couldn't kill the Gaunt Summoner. I should have then just not teleported my Liberators forward because we were playing... Um, oh, Star Strike. So didn't know where the Meteors were going to be until turn two or three. I could have just sat back and waited. But I still went in. I yeah. just honestly, I played like total dog shit that game, so I didn't deserve. <laughs> I didn't deserve the title of master. So, um, but I'm I'm just pleased I pulled it back over the next four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got to play Luke. So Luke again, that was good. He was hoping for a win, but alas, I'm three nil up. So he's he's got there, but that was fun. I keep telling him you just can't keep taking tunnel up Scryer. It just wouldn't work, and I think he found that at Masters. Yeah, it works against newer players mm. and certain armies that can't deal with it. But at Masters, I had a feeling it wouldn't do as well because it's just the players there are obviously the better players in the country, and the lists there are the sorts of lists that can deal with it. And I think Luke ended up losing three games. And wow. like he's he was number one ranked heading into that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it kind of went the way I Luke kind wins, of thought Luke, it would. Luke wins everything. He usually wins everything. Yeah. yeah. I his first game was a complete turn up for the book, so he was against Hayden's uh, ordered Draconis list. Hmm. Um with the formation of the dragon and three units of the knights that can all like make a charge on the first turn essentially. Okay, yeah. Um and I think they'd played like three practice games before masters with their lists and luke had tabled him every single time without fail easily yeah they played round one luke did what he normally tries to do i think by all accounts pretty much every dice he could have rolled for mortal wounds was a one and then hayden beat him so it was like the first game literally first game luke came over and he was like major loss and i was like yeah, major loss. And we were like, okay, bottom tables, here we come. <laughs> See you there. Um, so that was quite funny. So then, yeah, started working our way back up and we met on game four, I think it was. So we played at, um, yeah, uh, Knife to the Heart. Mm-hmm. So Luke was like, he only had like 17 models in his list or something. So obviously you need five on both to get a major win. So I was like, right, my goal in this is just to kill eight models and then you can't get a major win against me. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was worried because I, well, I, and I've t- I said this to him afterwards, like immediately after he made the decision to let me go first, I was like, that was the wrong decision. I, I said that to him? Literally, I was you. like, I was hoping you would give me first turn. I had to get inspiring presence on my liberators. Yeah. Honestly, I thought he would just pop up both covens, turn one, Wipe just off. take my liberators off and I'm done. Because at the end of the day, my army is built for that unit. Yeah. So if that unit isn't there... What's the point? He kills me. Yeah. And he was like, I was, he was agonising over that decision for like five minutes, looking at the table going, I don't know what to do. But because you don't score until turn three and Luke is so used to waiting and I set up my hurricane and plus a relictor and some prosecutors way on the other side yeah. as well. And then I put as much of the models as I could in the sky. 
Yeah. Uh, I had like 18 models in the sky, so I had more models than he had in his whole army just in the sky waiting because I was like, in my head, I need to do everything I can to make him not want to go first and to come up. Yeah. Because if he comes up first and takes me off, I lose. Yeah. Fortunately, it worked. <laughs> he didn't, and he he gave it to me, and I was like, okay, good. Um, but I couldn't get the I couldn't get the major on him. I just got a minor. Yeah. Um, just because I didn't have enough damage to go and kill. Although I think afterwards we realised I should have probably had an extra turn at it because um, he just had his arch warlock on his objective. Um, and at one point I was on my side of the board and I was like, oh, I'm not in a great position here because I'm out of range to do Inspiring Presence, I'm out of range to do Bless Weapons. And then I kind of, I was like, oh, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do here. And then I went, hang on, I've got my unit of prosecutors way on the other side of the board. I'm just going to teleport over there for a turn so I don't have to worry about your Storm Fiends over here. <laughs> and then I was like, I'll just go kill your Arch Warlock this turn. But he had all those sparks. So Skaven, I don't know if you know, the Scryer Allegiance abilities now, you get like these warpstone sparks that you can use to like re-roll a failed casting attempt or re-roll like a missed hit. Every every hero phase? So you get a number, once? you get three plus. Oh, right, okay. You get three, yeah, I think you get three and then there's like an, a command trait where you can get D3 extra. So he did that, so he had six sparks and then there's an item that you can yeah. take, which he always takes on his arch warlock, to mean that you can use a spark every phase without using any of your sparks. Yeah, right. Which is really strong. But you can use the sparks, like I say, to... Reroll a missed hit or wound, reroll a failed casting attempt, or double the damage of an attack, yeah. which is crazy. Like if you've got damage three on a gauntlet or something like that, or the arch warlock's weapon, he's got a damage three weapon, because you decide after you decide at any point basically. Hmm. So you can wait for your opponent to fail an armor save and go, okay, I'll just double that damage, and you just go, I know I'm doing six. Or with a poison wind mortar wow. that does six, <laughs> you can double it to do twelve. Gosh. It's crazy. Um, okay. But Luke... Just when, you know, just when you thought Squire, you know, I think they needed some extra buffs there. You know, like, <laughs> they, to be fair, they needed something to <laughs> they take... They were a bit weak. You they know, needed like, something to take them away from just pop-up warfire, yeah. which is what they're trying to do. Like, they've made <laughs> they've made that a bit too expensive, really, to do double, which is how I think it should be, to be fair. Hmm. But, um, yeah, so Luke had misread it, and obviously it was like, I trust you to know your rules, it's fine, I'm not going to like question it um that you could re-roll armor saves with the sparks so he did one thing he couldn't do so when i was hitting him because he had a two up save Mm. um so i was like i'm just looking for ones and all my grand hammers were attacking him so obviously they're damaged two each Mm. so i was like i just need to get three through with the rend and then i think he rolled yeah he there was a couple of times like in that first turn i think he got a couple of ones and that was all i needed to get through and yeah. he just used the spark to re-roll the one, which obviously meant that he passed. Okay. Yeah. But he couldn't have done that. So I would have killed him a turn earlier, which maybe meant I could have killed him in time, but I don't think so. Yeah. But I got I got yeah. a minor win. Yeah. yeah. So I was happy about that anyway. Um, and yeah, I played Liam um, with his Sylvaneth, and Sylvaneth. he had a bit of a rage when he realised that the Tree Lord Ancient's been massively nerfed and he couldn't put his wood down anywhere. And uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I knew that was the case. <sighs> and then, yeah, my Hurricane and went, bang, seven wounds, seven mortal wounds to Durthu, he's gone. And then turn three, I did ten mortal wounds to his Tree Lord Ancient and took that off, and Liam was like, okay, I'm done, let's call it. Aww. So it was, it, 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 yeah, I'd won the game at that point, so um, <laughs> so I gave him a hug, and then we carried on. <laughs> Went to the bar. <laughs> um, pretty much. Um, and then I got to play the other Vanguard Wing, because Tim McDivitt from Brisbane also took a 30-man Vanguard Wing. Oh, yeah. So we had... Pretty much a mirror match. Yeah, so we had a Vanguard Wing off in the last game. 
um, which was at Scorched Earth, so that was interesting. Yeah, how'd it go? Um, I got the win, but like literally by one point, yeah. and it was so close. Um, yeah. I was trying. I knew I needed to kill his prosecutors, so I was like, "I'm just gonna kill your prosecutors because once they're dead, you can't teleport around." Mm-hmm. Um, and he put two up the far end of the board, and only one unit down the other end. Yeah. So I was like, and he burnt the unit. He burnt my objective because he went first, and he came on strong onto mine. He burnt my top left objective, so I was like, "Well, I kind of don't need to be here now. You've got your prosecutors, so you can move around up there. I don't really care." So I went for his on the far end, and I was like. I got the double from one into two, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, right, I'm just going to focus my Hurricanum into your one unit of prosecutors here, because it's six wounds. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't fail to do... I should be doing, like, between two and, well, technically 18, but obviously on his first term, he sensibly dropped his judicators out of the sky and shot my Hurricanum and did four wounds to it, I think. Mm-hmm. So it was knocked down a tier, so it was only doing two Shemtech attacks, okay. but I had I t- lightning charioted it up, got it ready, teleported my liberators in, killed his Castellan, killed the Judicators, um, and then I think I made a mistake here by extending the line out really far up the other end of the board to tag his Stardrake in, because I wanted it to pile slightly backwards to get it out of six inches for Staunch Defender so it stopped affecting his liberators, Yeah, which I did, but I was thinking I could also tie it up in combat. Because I was like, oh, if I just position one model three inches away, he has to pile in, then do his chomp attacks, then it's before he attacks. So I was like, if I have, if I sit just on the edge of three, once he piles in, then he has to do his bite attacks, and that's three inch range. He can't then pile in attack. So if he chomps, if I give him like one or two liberators, he can eat them. But then I was like, I'll just. I'll just remove Liberators from somewhere else in the unit in terms of casualty removal, and he'll still be pinned, but he can't use any of his attacks against me because he'll be yeah. out of range. Yeah. But then, obviously, you pick that model, so I have to remove that model. So all I did was just feed him two Liberators for nothing, and I was like, okay, that was a bit dumb. Mm. And in hindsight, I should have used them to wrap the Prosecutors to guarantee that I killed them. Yeah. Because in the two rounds of shooting with my Storm of Shemtech, I did four mortal wounds, and he f- passed both the battle shocks. I killed one the first turn, one on the double turn. So there was one prosecutor left alive. So he teleported all of his liberators back to that prosecutor, oh. which made it a lot closer. Because then he got that objective back off me and came pushing back. Yeah. Because I got a big lead from one to two, and I was like, if I'd killed that prosecutor, that would have been it, I think. But then he pushed back really, really hard. Yeah, um, but I got it by one, so I was pretty pleased. Good. Um, I'm trying to think the other game. This is really bad. Who did I play? Uh, Dave, and then I played. Oh, this is really bad. I can't remember who I played. It's a little while ago. Well, not really. Three weeks. Ago. Yeah, it's not even that <laughs> long ago. That's really bad. Uh, apologies, whoever I played. Oh well, <laughs> but yeah, ended up, ended up getting second with. A major loss, three major wins, and a minor win against Luke. Yeah. So it was interesting. Luke had made a prediction beforehand that he thought nobody would win five major wins. Yeah. And I think that was true. Nobody got five major wins. I think he thought everybody would lose a game, though. I think yeah. Dave Kerr was the only person to win all of his games. Yeah. Um, he played Tim McDivitt, and they play all the time as well, so he played the Vanguard wing. And I think he... That came down to kill points, and I think he beat him by 60 kill points or something. Wow. So okay. that was really close, apparently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think Vanguard Wing was the answer to his list. 
and I just played it appallingly when I played him. But um, yeah, so it happens. But to be fair, the other Vanguard Wing had a crack and didn't quite do it. So yeah. no, Dave won all his games. And yeah, yeah, congratulations the, to Dave, good, so. Australian master. And yeah, he got the Paragon Award yeah. as well, which took yeah. into account sports and painting and everything as well. So mm. um, fantastic! Yeah, it was good. Well done. Um, yeah, so that was Masters. So yeah, runner-up trophy is sitting in my cabinet room now, which is cool. So I'm pretty pleased with that. I am disappointed in myself for how badly I played game one, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't deserve. It's always next year. I didn't deserve it after that, so it's fair enough. <laughs> and like I say, I can't blame my list and I can't blame my dice. I've only got myself to blame, so that's okay. I you should just that. quit. Should yeah, just... I should. Yeah, I should just quit and just accept I'm crap. <laughs> but yeah no so that's kind of all of the tournaments that you've missed James yeah so well it's, it feels like I've missed out a lot and I, I, I suppose I did like three tournaments is a lot and like all those monthlies uh, like out at the games cube I know I would have at least gone to a few of those um, but also just mainly just missing on, missing out on, on all the painting and hobby opportunities like as I was saying a bit earlier um I uh, would have liked to have been able to uh, get another army, like a new army together for CanCon 2018. Matt Gammy. Um, Matt, Matt Gammy. I, oh, yes. I played Matt Gammy in game two at Battle for the Pass what with is... his Bone Splitters. His Bone Splitters. And okay, I yeah. felt really sorry for him because his game one was against the other Vanguard Wing. So he got Vanguard Wing, Vanguard Wing. Oh, <laughs> that sucks. But he was a gem and that was a really fun game. I hadn't played Matt before, so, so that was really good. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. Uh, yeah, so I've just, as I said before, you yeah, decided to go, um, Night Haunts, just go pure Night Haunts. I love painting spirits. Um, I know just something about it. I just love it. It's a, it's ethereal. I'm not painting everything in the army. Like, you know, like there's the ethereal, uh, painting method. There's lots of ways you can do it. Um, what James is trying to say is he's painting the ethereal stuff in his death army ethereal and he's not being like me who's just painting everything ethereal because he's <laughs> crap at painting. <laughs> I'm, I'm painting ethereal stuff ethereal. <laughs> and um, But with my characters, like I've, I've done a little bit of conversion work there and um, my wife's actually um, shown some interest and she's pretty handy with green stuff. Uh, yeah. So she's uh, helped me out with... Uh, I'm, I'm not very good at green stuffing stuff. I'm... It's definitely a weak area for me. Um, so she's helping me out, get some, do some green stuffing, and put together a uh, Mistweaver Psy um, as the as a banshee. But I've you know done a few part swaps and different head and a few more death uh, death accoutrements um, like skulls with chains and whatnot. Um, but yet to be painted. She's on my table at the moment. Um, another banshee, like a, a regular banshee. So. Converted Banshee, another Banshee, uh, put a skull in in her hand just to make it a little bit different, paint her a bit differently, and um, another couple of can wraiths. Uh, so I've got the standard can wraith uh, that you get in the box, and a second one which with a different head, and taking the hex wraith scythe uh, just to make that a little bit different, and then another can wraith with the beefy, one, the massive like you know the on the if anyone knows the Morgas archive models. Um, the Arkai Spirit Halberd blade has been... It's a um, bit massive. Has been, has been um, green-stuffed onto uh, onto his um, scythe, so he's pretty imposing yeah. bastard model, actually. He's, like, he's going to be doing six damage a turn, for He sure. should be. <laughs> I was thinking about making him uh, general and giving him pitiless, pitiless Executioner, which would give him three damage per attack. Ooh. 
So it is possible to fit him in, fit that into the fluff for him. But um, no, be, be a bit of a combat beast. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but um, so they're they're on, they're on the table as well, painting them up. Just uh, we're doing some uh, blending, just the just the standard sort of. Um, if anyone's seen the How to Paint Nagash uh, video series, um, Duncan shows us how to blend with using the um, Kawilia Green Shade Lamy and Medium. Um, lots of thin coats. <laughs> yeah, more than up. more than two. More than two. You need like I like think I'm eight. up to about twelve at the moment. Oh my gosh! But it's just just to get the proper blend, you need to. And yeah. I think I did a quite a thin uh, mix of Lamian and um, Coelia, but um, it works a treat, and it's it's almost there. I think it's got a yeah, couple they're of looking, layers. They're looking really cool. But um, then I'll, of course I'll brighten it up and you know start get all the highlights happening and focus in on the Banshee conversion. Um, so. At the moment, when I've finished painting this army, I'll have 21 Spirit Host models in total. So a unit of nine and two units of six. That's 21, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Quick math. Quick yes. math. Um, and a unit of ten um, hex rays. I've got five painted. I've had them painted for ages. but uh, So I'm going to paint another five up, and I will paint them the same way I've done. So once again, doing the blending... Um, I like to paint the bone bone, uh, the models themselves. So it's, it, they are ethereal, but, um, they I paint them, like I paint the robes and I paint the, I paint it all like, like they're solid pretty much. I'm don't, I'm not going all out, um, ethereal on that. Um, uh, there's pretty much just the, my characters and the spirit host are ethereal. I've got a Mongol conversion, which I did with the Nightbringer. Um, yeah, that's so really cool. I've got him, um, with a... You know, a banshee kind of swirling around it, sort of thing. Like, um, to be honest, not too happy with how sh- how that model turned out. Like, it it was it was great building it and converting it, and then, um, you know, I, th- I think we've all experienced this. But when you you spray the model with uh, with your um, your undercoat, like with your Corax white, I think I did on this one, and just way too thick, or was it a black? I don't know. Whatever I used, it was. Um, spread on way too thick and just covered up too much of the um of the detail and from that point I just kind of lost heart a bit but I still I gave it a good go but I kind of rushed it a bit as well for a for a little tournament um and I was just like there it still it came out it looks it's still a nice model like it's still, I really yeah I really like it it still looks fine like it's still good um but it's it's not up to, it's not for me it's not <laughs> it's not my um what I would have wanted it to be but anyway I digress and I've got my other Mongol, which is the standard Mongol Forge World Mongol model, which I've painted like more like a big flesh golem. So while I am doing Night Haunts, it's not all just ethereal. That's the point I'm trying to make anyway. Yeah, um, yeah it's cool. But um, yeah, so plus, um, you know, because it is CanCon, there's the, the painting prizes and awards. So um, you got to have the minimum three colours and XYZ um, painting rubric. Um, yeah, I think it's So it's I wanted not... to kind of meet that criteria as much as I could as well. I don't think I'm going to... Uh, get any like I'm painting up to a certain standard uh, that I'm happy with but I know I could take it further if I really wanted to but um, kind of don't think there's enough time to do the all out um, paint job that I that I would otherwise do but yeah, I'm happy with where I'm at with it at the moment So I think you're selling yourself a bit short it's going to be pretty cool like, <laughs> I always sell myself just looking at it it's, yeah it's really good and your characters are really cool like when they're, when they're done, yeah. For I just sure. like the Banshees, all there with their bright different hair. Just like a colour to pop, like you got one with red hair, one with purple hair. Yeah. And then, yeah, your converted Mistweaver with the vampire head from the Coven Throne is really cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's going to be great. I'm, I'm going to paint her um, solid. Like, she's not going to be just ethereal. So I could probably proxy her into use her as a vampire. Yeah. Or I could also use her as a necromancer as well for paint her in that way. Yeah, I think because um, she's got all the smoke around her from the Mistweaver, you could actually paint that ethereal. Oh, and that kind of ties it in. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, she's. I'm actually thinking about making her her flesh ethereal, glowing. Yeah. Um, which would still work across the other, yeah, that'd be cool. other models too. Just make it a bit more unique. But with her robes and stuff, I think I might go purple robes um, and just go from there. Armour. I'm not sure what I'll do with the armour. Maybe a black armour. An eb- like sort of ebony armour maybe. Or put her in line with... Um, oh, what, to like match your Neferata. Archai and stuff? Yeah, maybe do that to match with the Archai or even make her like a little mini Neferata. Yeah. The purple um, armour with uh, like a sort of golden trim, brass trim. Um, anyway, we'll, yeah, cool. she's, we'll get her done and... Also been working on a um, display board, so I just bought one of those 2x2 two two, uh, Shadow Dominion tiles from um, local GW in Hurstville. Thanks, Kashan. Um, and yeah, it's got the Garden of Moor. Uh, i set that up on there, so it's sort of set up like a graveyard. It's pretty standard sort of death theme. Um, is, that the whole, kind of cool. is that the whole Garden of Moor kit? Uh, it's or the, some it's the original Garden of Moor box where you had... You've got one of each, but the one that they've got out now is like a two. Is two, yeah. So I've just got, I've got, I suppose, half of the so that's, Sigma Rite. So that's one half. half. <laughs> that's half you of get it, quite yeah. a lot, because I've got one of those boxes, but I haven't opened it yet. But that's... Yeah, you, well, what you're seeing there, like, I've got it right next to us as, as we're recording, but um, uh, what you see there, Chris, is, uh, yeah, well, it's double that. So two statues. Yeah, it's pretty decent. Et cetera, two gates, lots of fencing. Yeah. And um, you'll get six... I need to get that stuff on Six sepulchres. I need to get that stuff on some MDF to get mm. some terrain. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's the, I've had it sitting in a box for like two years and just waiting for the time to paint it, so I've brought it out, now's the time. Um, so, yeah, basically the whole thing I'm going for there is... Let's start off with an idea after reading um, Lord of Undeath. Uh, that people might have read that. Uh, it's one of the Realmgate Wars um, books. And there's this scene where the anvils of the Held and Hammer are... Um, sort of trudging through the realm of Shaish, following Nagash, carrying this giant obelisk from New Lamia. And uh, it's kind of like Nagash is testing the, the Stormcast, and they, you know, of course the Stormcast want to enlist Nagash as, a, as an ally against Chaos, and so Nagash is entertaining that idea, but um, they're trudging through this region called the Myrfells, and the way it's described I, th- I thought was quite cool. Like It's basically this ectoplasmic mud it's kind of glowing ectoplasmic mud, which you can see down into like what's underground, and they can. You look down there's like all these ancient cities, ruined cities, and things that are um, sort of deep beneath the mud, and you can see it all as you're walking along. Um, so I've kind of taken a bit of inspiration for that. I'm not recreating cities <laughs> under the ground or by any means, but um, just basically use the cracked the cracked earth of the the shattered dominion. Um, tile to you know make that ethereal glowing so it's kind of like cracking up from underneath um, and yeah we're doing some water effects and things in there as well to kind of give it a bit more and but just sort of cracking up under this graveyard in the realm of Shaiish so it's kind of the, that's the idea at this stage so I've done the texturing um, next up will be the dry brushing and then we'll be adding all the flock 
Um, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot of flock and tufts and yeah. things like that, which will really kind of bring it up another notch from where it is at the moment. It looks pretty... looks... yeah. It looks cool. It doesn't look finished now, but it's, it's going to look good when it's finished. Definitely. So what we're saying is basically, in the three weeks since James has been back, he's done more hobby than I have in the year. <laughs> 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 uh, not quite, but get, getting there already. Getting there. Um, but yeah, no, it looks really cool. It'll be awesome. I can't wait to see it at CanCon. Yeah. Um, yeah, so speaking of CanCon, mm. that is the next event coming up. Yeah, looking um, forward to it. So yeah, obviously you've already said you're going to take your Night Haunts list. Yep. Um, I'm going to take a corn list, which is going to be very different to typical corn, because it's going to be a magic shooting heavy corn army. Because, <laughs> you know, that's what corn's all about, really. So we have to look forward to today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we are going to go and play a game now, actually. And uh, yeah, I think, and then we might come back and talk about it. So we'll take a quick break there. Talk to you soon. Cool. So we are back from the break and from playing our game. Indeed. Um, <laughs> how did that game go, James? How how did you find your list? Um, I quite do, you want, do you want to talk through your list? Are you happy to talk through your list before yeah, CanCon? Yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Look, honestly, I'm. Um, um, I don't, I don't care, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so I think lists are due in like three weeks anyway, and it's going to yeah. take me like a week at least. I'll probably change it, but I'm, I don't, I'm pretty happy with it at the moment. Like, I'm kind of... Okay, I'll just go through it quickly. So, uh, pure Nine Haunts, um, so three Can Wraiths, uh, three Banshees. Um, I've been experimenting with the commander, Command Traits and Artifacts. Um, today I took... Uh, Command trait, the one that gives you plus one to save. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. Um, and the artifact was... This is the, the one I've always, I've always looked at taking. Yeah. No, it was when I pretty handy. When I played Haunts at 1k, I took that. I just think they're small bases. They're so easy to get in cover. And when yeah. your main strength is ignoring rend with a four up, as soon as you take that, you have a two up save ignoring rend in cover. Yeah, exactly. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's annoying for your opponent who has lots of rend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I took the Pennant of the Fell Wind, which is the one that gives plus three inches to um, all Nighthawk units within uh, six inches of that model in the movement phase. Um, yeah, so I experimented with that today. Uh, in the past, I know I've, in the past four games, I've taken the Midnight Tome, which makes one of them um, a wizard, which I think I'm going to go back to. Yeah, I think um, that's the one today. I generally take. I think... Um, just having that ability to chuck an extra mystic shield on the Mongol or yeah. on a unit or on herself. Again. Or whoever. Like, the, the strong... And be able to, uh, being able to sort of just pip off that last little few wins with an arcane bolt is yeah. um, pretty uh, pretty handy, actually. It's really good. Yeah. No, Again, so... the strongest thing about Night Haunts is the fact that they ignore end. So yeah. as soon as you one, add one to one their armor save, yeah. like three up, especially when you've got a big unit of spirit hosts or something like that, it's yeah. just so good. Yeah. So that's that's the heroes. Um and battle line, I've got a unit of 10 hex wraiths, uh, two units of six spirit hosts, one unit of nine spirit hosts, uh, and a Mongol. Yeah. So that was that was the list I took today. My um, other list had been um, just five hex wraiths and drop a unit of um, of spirit hosts and have a second Mongol. Yeah, drop five hex wraiths and a unit of six, and that gets you yeah. 400 points. Yeah, so... But um, so I, I ran that last earlier in the week in another game. Um, so just kind of just seeing which one sort of works better for the for what I want. 
Um, today, I think I think I'll stay with this current list with the um, the extra units. Like drop the Mongol and have the extra units. Yeah, uh, I think because you just gives you more model count for those um, model count scenarios. Yeah, um, I think it's important given that you're a fairly low model count army anyway. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. You may as well sink those points into more models. Yeah, um, and they're awesome units. I love them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the basic list. And so Chris, you took corn. Yeah, so I took so what's my, your list today? I took my weird corn list because oh, you don't you don't want to talk about it? No, I'll talk about it. It's fine. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. I don't care. Um, yeah, so I took my weird corn. He list. says he doesn't care. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I, I think I've told like everyone. I'm being yeah, really, right. really open about this one. Yeah, because um, I need practice games because it's so different to the armies I've been playing. Mm. Magic. Um, it's a magic corn list. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a corn list that has quite a lot of magic and it's built around a shooting unit. Heresy. So, yeah. It's quite different in that respect. Um, so my list is, the corn part of it anyway, is a Gore Pilgrim's Battalion, which I think is a staple in most kind of corn lists. So it's a Blood Secretor, two Slaughter Priests, one unit of ten Blood Warriors, and two units of Blood Reavers. One's a ten and one's a forty, just so that I've got at least one big unit for those kind of scenarios where twenty models trump. Um, and then in the Gore Pilgrims, and then I've got heroes. I've got three allied heroes. So I've got Gaunt Summoner, because he's ever chosen, so he can ally in. I've got a Chaos Sorcerer Lord on Mount, um, which he slaves to darkness, so he can ally in. And then I've got Festus the Leech Lord, and he's Nurgle Rockbringers, so he can ally in to Blades of Corn. Um, those three heroes are exactly 400 points of allies, so that's my corn ally pool. Um, and then I have a unit of three Skull Cannons, because they can be a unit. And yeah. I needed shooting, so they're 160 points each. When generally things like play claws and like warp lightning cannons and stuff are 180, um, corn needs shooting. So I don't really know why people don't put skull cannons in corn lists, if I'm honest. Um, and yeah, the way that my my list is definitely built around those skull cannons generally, because and that's why some of the heroes are in there. Um, mainly the chaos sorcerer lord, because. Um, he has... Oh, and there's 100 points for reinforcement, so everyone can decide what that's for. Bellwind. <laughs> <laughs> it might be for 10 play bearers. Um, it, it's for a bellwind. <laughs> um, for the Gaunt Summoner, funnily enough. Or sometimes Festus, to be fair, but usually the Gaunt Summoner. Um, if I'm against Hordes, it'll be for the Gaunt Summoner. If I'm against Star Drakes, it'll be for Festus. Um, yeah. So, basically, the reason Festus is in the list is because he's actually quite a survivable hero. Um, but mainly for his spell, you pick a unit. It's only 14-inch range, which is why I said sometimes I'll give the Bailwind to him. Yeah. Um, it also casts on a 7, which is quite high, so he kind of needs the Bailwind to help mm. a bit with that. Um, yeah. But you pick a unit, and you subtract 1 from save rolls for them for the rest of the game, and it stacks. So if you cast it twice, it's minus 2 um, for the rest of the game. So that's just to help me deal with stuff that's got really high armor saves. Mm. Um, I've got quite a bit of Mortal Wound output in the list anyway, so that will also help. Yeah. But it's... Um, yeah, just to really help me kind of smash through stuff. If I'm against, like, Vanguard Wings or something, lots of stuff that's got, like, two up saves, you're rolling ones, I'll just start targeting those units and be yeah. like, right, okay, now it's a three up reroll ones. Now it's a four up reroll ones. <coughs> um, yeah. And then the Chaos Sorcerer Lord is in there mainly for his spell, which is Demonic Power. Cast on a five, you pick a unit within 18, and you get to reroll hit rolls of one, Arm, uh, wound rolls of one and armor saves of one <coughs> until your next hero phase. Yeah. Um, which is really useful. 
Mainly it's for the skull cannons. Um, <coughs> I'm dying. I'm going to have to come back in a second. <coughs> okay, I'm back from dying. Corn was punishing me for taking magic and shooting in a corn army. <coughs> I'm okay now. I think you're probably going to find things aren't going to go quite go your way for a while now. Yeah, probably not. Except um, in games, maybe. I have water, it's okay. <laughs> no, you've got a two um, up re-rolling ones. Bit of, uh, but yeah, so I've got... It, yeah, the um, the spell basically is usually for the skull cannons to give them re-rolls of one to hit wound and arm save. Um, so skull cannons naturally hit on threes mm-hmm. and wound on threes, So, but they get plus one to hit against units of ten or more automatically. So if there's, obviously, hordes, then my skull cannons hit on twos, re-roll ones, they wound on threes, re-roll ones, they rend two, and they damage d6. And because they are a unit, the spell affects all three of them. Yeah. So, generally it's three shots, twos, re-roll ones, threes, re-roll ones, rend two, damage d6. Yeah. So they're pretty shooty. Um, they'll do really well against hordes, but also like fairly good against characters and single models yeah. or anything, because even without plus one to hit, they're threes, re-roll ones, threes, re-roll ones. Yeah. They're pretty consistent. And then with the, your other buffs that you had on it today, um, I suppose we'll go into it a bit more detail in yeah. a sec, but they were really good in combat too. Mm. With the Hellblades, you know, with your plus one and everything, you're... You, Mortal Wounds on fives and all that sort of good gear. Um, yeah. So pretty pretty punchy in, in combat. Yeah. So and they... Then, so they mm. Yeah. So, I mean, they're fast. They move eight. They've got seven wounds apiece and a four-up save. Yeah. So in terms of, like, just artillery, generally, they're really useful because yeah. you can move across the board. They've got a 30-inch range. Yeah. So they've got a huge threat range. It was like eight-inch normal... Yeah, eight-inch normal move. Yeah. Um, so they've got a massive threat range, like 38-inch threat range. Yeah. Um, they have seven wounds apiece with a four-up save. Yeah. So as soon as that's re-rolling ones as well, it's like quite good. They're quite survivable. And then the two slaughter priests in the list, mm-hmm. they each can obviously take a prayer. Generally, I take one with Killing Frenzy, which is plus one to hit. And then I take one with Bronzed Flesh, which is plus one save. So again, if I'm not shooting hordes, I can just put Killing Frenzy on them, yeah. which in Gore Pilgrims it's a four-up, but I can re-roll if it fails because of Gore Pilgrims formation. Yeah. So that's fairly consistent that I can have them hitting on twos against pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, obviously, Damn Terrain, if there's any, I can take that as well. Yeah. So if I'm shooting stuff like Star Drakes or whatever, I can give them plus one to hit and then take Damned. So plus two to hit negates a mirror shield. Yeah. And then I'm still just threes re-roll ones. And your D3 mortal wounds from the damned is... There's seven wounds apiece, yeah, so you can take damned quite a few times. Yeah. Um, and corn with blood tithe, one of them, I think if... I think four blood tithe, you can heal. All corn models on the battlefield heal D3 wounds. Yeah. So cool. I can start healing them up. Yeah. Um, if any of my slaughter priests take wounds from rolling ones on the prayers after the re-roll, that can heal them, stuff like that. Yeah. Um... The Gaunt Summoner is obviously there to just deal with hordes, but also help snipe characters. 36-inch range on the Bailwind, mm. just hit, yeah, as we'll get onto in the game, he was really useful when you've got yeah. like two up-save characters that I couldn't do anything to that are ignoring my rend from my cannons, <laughs> just having the Gaunt Summoner there to... Yeah. I mean, Infernal Flames, you only roll three dice, but actually three dice on four-ups is still kind of one or two mortal wounds a turn usually, and yeah. then you add an Arcane Bolt onto that. You can ping off the heroes over yeah. one or two well, turns. especially like... A Nighthorn hero, it's a four wound hero, so yeah, yeah um, it's not hard to do. Maybe you might be a bit different if you've got oh, yeah. higher, higher wound generals yeah. and things like that. But, um, yeah. And then the two slaughter priests as well, that's where some of the more mortal wound output comes from, is in addition to their other prayers, the plus one to hit and the plus one save prayer, 
they can do their normal prayer on their war scroll, which yeah. in our game every turn I was just using Blood Boil, yeah. which again, four up, re-rollable to see if it goes off, and then it's just D6 mortal wounds. And it's 16 inch range, so again, that just really helps have some range yeah. mortal wound output. So there's a lot of kind of D6 damage that can effectively be mortal wounds. Because the, the skull cannons are rend two, and then if Festus starts casting his spell once people get close, if you just cast it once, everything in my army effectively gets rend one against that, or plus one rend against that unit. Yeah. So skull cannons are basically rend three. If I can cast it twice, it's getting up to rend four. So my ultimate goal is to try and kill a Star Drake with shooting <laughs> when it has a mirror shield, because yeah. that would just be funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then the Blood Warriors are actually. Uh, it was only originally a five, and I had more Blood Reavers. Um, I had 20, another unit of 20 Blood Reavers. I think I messed up, and I forgot I had to have some Blood Warriors in the list to take Gore Pilgrims. Yeah. So I dropped 20 Blood Reavers for 10 Blood Warriors. But I, I was originally thinking that wasn't great. I would have preferred 20 Reavers just for models. Yeah. But actually, the Blood Warriors were great, particularly in our yeah. game today. I'm finding they're a really good alternative unit to put the Demonic Power spell onto, because once they start re-rolling ones to hit to wound an armor save... Again, I can Mystic Shield them, or I can, and I can Bronze Flesh them, so they can get to a two-up save, re-rolling ones, hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, wounding on fours, threes with the champion, re-rolling ones. They get really fighty, actually, yeah. in combat. And because Blood Warriors have got the... Mine all have the Gore Fists, yeah. so every time they pass, a, they pass an armor save, I roll a dice and on a six-up, they bounce a Mortal Wound back. Yeah. Like Yeah, and then they, when they die they get to pile an attack again so it's just compounds yeah, yeah. It, they were really good yeah. like um so yeah that's the list um so we just talked through some of the stuff in the game really about mm. like what worked what didn't work what we think we might change yeah cool so um we played what scenario was it starstruck St- no, no no scorched earth scorched earth yeah so this is the first time I'd, i've actually played this scenario so i've sort of been working my way through the scenarios the only one i haven't played now is star starstrike um at time of recording. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Scorched Earth, um, I think I won the toss, I chose my, my yeah. territory, um, I deployed most of my army in the underworld, Yeah. so I just, I put down, I deployed my three, uh, yeah, like my general and two can race, um, just to hold, and... There's literally one on each objective. Yeah, and that was it. Two of them being in cover. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, they were all, yeah, except... Yeah, the one on the left wasn't in the cover when I moved him out. Um, you gave me the first turn. Yeah. In that game, I didn't. Um, what si- made you? Do I didn't that? see that I was going to do much to you. Um, I didn't want to move up before you dropped down because I, I bubble wrapped you, so that you gaps couldn't. For me. I'd bubble wrapped yeah. for my deployment so that you couldn't drop behind me. Yeah. The only stuff that would have been in range was the skull cannons moving forward to shoot one of your characters, but they were all on two up or three up saves, ignoring my rend. Yeah. So I didn't think I'd do that much to you. Yeah. I, the Gaunt Summoner would have been in range, but he would have just done a few mortal wins to one of your characters. It wouldn't mm. have stopped you being able to roll for all your units, and I mm. wanted to work on your units. Yeah. So I... And then I didn't want you to double turn me. So I was like, yeah, you can go first. It's fine. Yeah. Because yeah, so I knew everything would pop up nine away, so you weren't that likely to make that many charges as well. Yeah. So having my banner planted probably wasn't going to be too... Not having my banner planted mm-hmm. probably wasn't going to be too much of an issue. Yeah, so roll... Well, sorry, see, this is a very quick hero phase um, for the Night Haunts. Um, and then movement phase, I rolled for my units. I think I rolled twos for most of them. Yeah, I got, I got a Canwraith and a um, 
at the end of six, um, spirits. spirits popped up on the damned, sorry, not the damned, the deadly terrain on the left. So they were a bit of a, a tar- like a yeah. harder target there. Three up, ignoring Rand um, on deadly on the left flank. Yeah, it was and a then, perfect place to pop up yeah. because you popped up nine away from where I was mm. and that happened to be exactly in the middle of a terrain feature. So if you failed the charge, you were sitting there with plus one save. Yeah. And it was deadly if I charged you. So it was like, yeah. well, that's a perfect place to pop up. So, yeah, yeah, that was there was nothing wrong with that decision. Yeah, that was, I was happy with that. And then, obviously, you failed the charge. Um, didn't bother charging the Canwraith because I failed the Spirits. Um, and then your turn, I think you came around and then you charged them Sorry. with your Reavers and with yeah, your so I Warriors. Yeah, pop, so I popped up on my Bailwind with my Gaunt Summoner mm. and I'd positioned the Skull Cannons right in front of him and then the Blood Warriors right in front of them. So that, because there was a bit of down terrain in the middle, and I was like, oh, if I summon my Bellwind, the kind of five inchish push that that gives you, I was like, that might just push my Skull Cannons in range of Damned. Mm. But also, I was like, I need to cross the board quickly, because Scorched Earth is one that I'm a bit worried about, because I don't have, mm. I have to run across the board. Like, I'm used to playing Stormcast Sylvaneth, where I can just drop basically where I need to be, or drop onto my opponent, nine away. Basically exactly what Nighthaunts is doing. Yeah. So I was quite worried. I was like, you're going to be pressuring me from the start and I'm going to have to run across the board. Yeah. But I don't have that much in the way of chaff. Like, it's a lot of characters. Like, lots of my stuff is kind of individual character models. And I was like, I don't I don't really want you to charge me, but I need to cross the board to get to your objectives. Otherwise, we're just going to sit here and go, I'm going to get three, three, three you're going to get three, three, but you're always going to be pressuring me yeah. because you're going to pop up nine away and just come into combat. Yeah. So I, I was like, right, I need to start moving early. So I summoned my Bellwind to push me forwards like five inches um, by the time I'd placed it and then moved everything three away. Um, so that helped me move forwards. Um, and then, yeah, got up on my Bellwind. I think I did Infernal Flames on your six spirits. Did three, I think. Yeah. I think I killed killed one of the bases, mm. did an arcane bolt, did a wound, I think, to your Cairnwraith, um, put my buffs on, my cannons, um, oracular visions from the Sorcerer Lord went onto the Blood Warriors, Mystic Shield went onto the Blood Warriors, so they, Bronzed Flesh went onto the Blood Warriors as well, Yeah, and the Skull Cannons didn't get plus one to hit, I don't think, but they had the re-rolls. Mm. Um, so most of my buffs went off, I planted my banner, did you forget to Maybe. plant your banner? No. I, in one of those? The second turn. Oh, no. I can't remember. First mm. turn, I didn't plant my banner. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then I inspired my reavers. My big block of 40 reavers was on the left. Yeah. And just kind of wrapped. It was in a big long line covering the front left, all my characters, and then wrapping around my left objectives, just sitting there. Yeah. Um, so I kind of moved up the right, and then I charged with my 10 blood reavers on the right into your uh over the deadly but i got quite a high charge so i um kind of used that charge to run past your ken wraith i tagged obviously one within half yeah. and then just moved as far as i could with the others to just yeah almost go past him and use it to start heading you got off lucky on the on the um deadly rolls too i think you lost one i think i lost my champion though yeah but um that was the only one i lost yeah. but um but yeah, so I, I did that charge, and I charged with the Blood Warriors as well into your but only spirits, one model but only one model I ended on, on, on the deadly, edge, yeah. so that I only had to take one deadly test, and then I used pylons to get about three more in, yeah. um, but kind of was in a long line, creating a wall to protect my characters and stuff behind, and yeah. the skull cannons, so I had the skull cannons moved up behind so that if you came in, 
I should be within three inches to then be able to pile into you because my skull cannons want they want to be in combat when they're buffed because I should explain they have the hellblades um where if they're in range of my banner which has a 30 inch range because of the gore pilgrims formation because I keep my slaughter priests in range of it which extends the range of the banner yeah so they make three attacks each with the hellblades so all three of them there's nine attacks if I've got my plus one to hit from killing frenzy or damned then I'm hitting on threes, re-rolling ones with the other spell from the Sorcerer Lord. But fives or more would be doing mortal wounds. And that's nine attacks. And then it's the Gnashing Moors. So they're yeah. making two attacks each, hitting on threes, re-roll ones, wounding on threes, re-roll ones. Rend one, which you're ignoring. But then they're D3 damage. But the great thing is, is if any of the cannons... Each cannon that causes any wounds from the Gnashing Moor then immediately gets to shoot as if it was a shooting phase. Yeah. And then I get to do all my shooting again with all the buffs, so the whole plan is just get as much work as possible out of those cannons by having them get into combat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they were kind of moved up ready, um, behind, I guess, ready for a counter charge. Yeah. Um, but I think I killed a couple of spirit hosts, um, did a couple of wounds. No, I killed the Kenrath. Yeah, I think you zapped him off. I did one more. No, I did phase. one. I did one mortal wound to him. Yeah. with the Arcane Bolt, and then I did three in the combat with those Reavers. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so then turn two, I think I won the... I think I won the roll for that. Yep. So you didn't, didn't get the double. You won the first three priority rolls. Yeah. We only won one in that whole game, I yep. think. Yeah. Um, so that worked out well for me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but neither of us got a double, actually. Neither, neither... No, yeah, nobody had a double turn. Yeah. Yes, I know I did right at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah. By, the, by that stage... Four into five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you, then yeah, I was able to bring up... Brought up all the Hex Wraiths. They came up in front of the Blood Warriors and the... Um, and the... Cannons? Yeah. Uh, on the... Most the, of your stuff came up this time. Yeah, I put the Mongol phase. up, the two Banshees, and the Mongol went up behind... Um, behind the Reavers, sort of to threaten the two middle... Your two middle, um, yeah, your central and your left um, flank, but um, in hindsight, should have just taken it out right out to the right out in the left flank and just munched my way across the board instead of keeping it there because you're able to keep me away from the objective. Yeah. And also, um, there's a, a point later in the game where I should have, in hindsight, obviously, like should have brought up a, that unit of six um, spirit hosts to. Give assistance yeah. with model count and just to chomp through that unit of forty. Yeah, so I think by the end of the game, the Mongol had eaten thirty of them. He had ten yeah. left. So, he's, and plus the Mongol rolls, unfortunately, not blame the dice, but I'm going to blame the dice. Um, <laughs> to be fair, you did roll quite a lot of ones and twos. Yeah, probably. like these this Mo, these Mongol rolls were abysmal. Like I was getting like one or two through like most turns. One or two wounds would actually get through. I might do five. Um, yeah, I think here, there was a good five there. Like the most I ever did in one turn was like five or six. Yeah, or I think eight, I think there was eight. one. Yeah, yeah, I think there was about two or three turns in a row where you'd get one damage three attack through and one damage two attack through. Oh, and then I'd save some of them on sixes. Yeah. So anyway, he should have he should have performed a lot better, but that's that's the way it is sometimes. You'll come back around in the next game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, hex, Benchies... the hex rates made their nine inch charge the turn they came up. Yeah, they were the only ones that made the yeah I've had a lot of charges too in those early earlier phases, but. That's fine. It's not as big a deal. Hex race with champs. They did their thing. They did defeat the blood warriors. In the end, they got chomped by, the, yeah, by the blood warriors dying, and also, um, the cannons did some work. Good, good work there. I was going to say you zapped a, zapped a few. Of yeah, them no, the hex race actually. That was the big thing that 
didn't. That surprised me. Because um, they charged in. I think you only killed one Blood Warrior with them. Because mm. obviously I'd got myself. I had a two up save three rolling ones. You had all your good saves. Um, and then I didn't really bounce many mortal wounds back to you. I think mm. I maybe bounced one back. Mm. But then they the Blood Warriors and stuff just... And then the cannons just... Oh no, not the cannons. They didn't get into combat with the Hex Wraiths. Didn't they? No, did they? No. Did. no. Okay. No, because remember I attacked wrong. So you took off the ones that were within range of Oh, that's three. right. Yeah. Yeah. But the Blood Warriors just killed... They just killed like five Hex Wraiths in one go, I think. Yeah. They killed loads. The Blood Warriors went ape. I, yeah. I only lost like one or two to the Spirit Host in the Hex Wraiths. Yeah. And they killed like all of the Spirit Host... All of the Hex Wraiths in like yeah. two turns. It wasn't until later in the game when they got across and started threatening my middle objective with the Banshee on it, my general, um, I had my unit of nine spirit hosts, which came up, I think I turned three, I had them up and, um, got damn terrain off on them. Yeah. Um, and they pretty much, yeah, they went and obliterated them yeah. down to two. That was the mistake I made. So yeah, like later on in the game, I pushed my blood warriors forward cause I'd killed your six spirit hosts and, uh, I'd killed nine of the X-Rays because you retreated one to try and come onto my objective. Yeah. But then Festus and my Chaos Sorcerer Lord charged him Dispatched and Festus him. killed him. <laughs> um, so he got some combat action. Because um, that was actually the one time I used Festus's spell because I was getting, I was like, oh, your army's actually really good because it's ignoring the rend of my cannons. Well, that's why I was then, confident in sending just one hex rate. Yeah. Just, you know, just on the off chance he might actually do something. So three attacks and I'd, five attacks with the horse. I'd just been using Festus as a mystic shield, basically. And then I went, actually, if I cast his spell... You only have a five up save. Mm. Sure, you ignore rend. Like Festus doesn't have any rend anyway. And I was like, actually, I'll have a much higher chance of killing you in combat with Festus. And that's what happened. So yeah. I cast my spell, reduced you down, killed yeah. you in combat. So I didn't really have to worry about that flank anymore. Festus basically held, held that on his own for the whole game. Yeah. Um, the Blood Warriors dealt. Yeah, they'd already dealt with it. The Skull Cannons moved up, kind of into the middle, and then came back round. Um, I did have a go at that. Um, at that uh, corner. When I brought up, I tried to bring up unit six. Yeah, I just um, about host, you but out. He just just inched me out. I was like one inch different, so a little bit amount of place. Yeah. Then James was getting all gamey. He was like stacking his bases, like oh, they can fit. One and of was... them was like just oh, yeah, it's just up on the base a little bit. Like it's yeah, bases yeah. don't matter in Age of Sigma. Nah, it was funny when I <laughs> did the positioning to keep Festus within three of my objective. I put him just as far into the corner as he could go, but still within three of my yeah. objective. And I was like. You won't fit six spirit host bases in that. Could have fit three though. So you could have fit three, but so it makes me rethink. Yeah. my unit structure. Maybe one six got. could be a th- two threes. One six and two threes, maybe just yeah. to, for those. And s- also, situations. It, wastes, it wastes less because that scenario mm. you have to keep models on an objective. Yeah. So you're at the point where once I killed the Kenrath or Banshee that was there, mm. you were going to have to leave six or nine spirit hosts just yeah. to hold an objective. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, yeah, if you had a couple of threes, it might be better. Actually, I think that's a good that's a good idea. I might just split one, split six. one of those six. Yeah. I think that's all you need, because yeah. then you've got two threes to hold stuff. Yeah. Plus with the wraith, the wraiths behind them as well, they'll give them the uh, the Deathless Minions kind of save. Yeah. And then you've got the nine and the six and the Mongol to, and the Hex Wraiths to be aggressive with. Yeah. Like, that's four aggressive units. It's probably yeah. enough. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I the Blood Reavers that charged up turn one went for a... Because I'd killed you and you'd removed models. I wasn't in combat on my yeah. second turn. Yeah. So then I moved those Reavers down, charged your Kenrath that was on your objective, outnumbered you, burnt your objective. Yeah. I only rolled a one, but it got rid of it, so it meant I didn't need to worry about that side of the board anymore. Yeah. Um, and then the Blood Warriors later turn moved forward to go for your middle one because your 
your Banshee general was sitting there on a two-up save. And I'd gone to the side, and she was sitting on deadly terrain yeah. that went all the way along. So I, my natural reaction is to avoid charging on deadly terrain. So I was like, oh, I'll just run along the side of it instead because I don't want to lose models on one. But by running along the side of it, it pulled me with. It meant that it pulled your unit of nine spirit hosts within three. You were damned. So you could pile in, yeah. and they were damned. And actually, after I did it, I was like, "That's a mistake. I am going to take more damage from you attacking me with yeah. damned terrain than I would have done if I'd just run over the deadly." I did make you pay for that mistake. So you killed like yeah. five. You killed five of the blood warriors with that, which meant mm. I didn't have enough models. So you contested because my plan was just move along, mm. pile in three. I'd have got two models because only your banshee was in range i'd have got two models within range and then i was just burnt it moved on yeah because of where i went i messed up and you killed me so then i was like ah bugger but later turn i think my turn four Hmm. i then changed my gaunt summoner's attention from just trying to do mortal wounds to your to your units and i went i should have done it for my turn two honestly yeah you could have just got rid of her really but yeah i i infernal flamed her and then i arcane bowled her and just went okay she's dead now but i guess those spells were needed elsewhere with what was going on yeah i I was like i need to target units but you can't say you should have but you you did what you did because you needed to do what you needed to do at that time so but um, yeah. I should have done it a turn earlier, though, because it would have meant that you couldn't be aggressive with the nine spirit host, because, like I say, you would have had to have just held them. Um, but, yeah, um, and that was kind of... That went the way, so I think you didn't burn any of mine. I, hel- yeah. I held my three every turn for the game, and then I I burnt yours on my turn two, yep. got one from it, and then I burnt your other my one on one. turn yeah. four... Yeah, turn four. I think I got it. It was after, actually... The after, scores were, like, super close right up, up to until turn the end of three, turn three. Yeah. They were, like, really close. Well, like, one point difference. Um, and I was getting a bit worried, actually. I was like, oh, I think, actually, you could just yeah. steamroll through me here and well, I was, take I was, these off me. But yeah, I think although, I'd pinned you in combat, so it was kind of okay. I shouldn't... Uh, yeah, I fell for the whole, you know, let's keep the Mongol busy over here. I could have... I should have and could have um, got him out of that situation with the 40... Uh, blood reavers a lot sooner, That's... and just take him over to take out your um, your blood secretor and your um, your two uh, slaughter priests. That probably would have been more beneficial. Even though yes, it would have drawn everything into that central objective, but it would have freed up my flank a bit more to send in some spirits. It would have maybe had a few more tactical options. Yeah, maybe. I but, think uh, because I knew you could never double turn me. Yeah, that's why I made the decision. Because the reason you could drop your mongol and the two banshees behind me is because I was like. I need to push for your objective. Hmm. So I'd started running forwards, which left this space behind me. Yeah. Um, so you dropped in behind, and then I kind of... You dropped your big unit of nine spirit hosts basically in a wall to yours anyway. Hmm. And then I was I made the decision, like, actually, I'm just going to come back and hold mine. Because yeah. he can have his, I'll have mine, that's fine. I'll just try and beat him on the other side of the board. Yeah. We can draw on this side, and then I'll yeah. try and push for the other. So I completely turned my reavers around came back to my objective and I was like I'm just going to wrap your mongol yeah. because you can't double turn me mm. so if you retreat you can't charge me I'll lose a turn and then I'm just and, you yeah. can't charge me mm. in my turn I'm just going to go and recharge you and I'm just going to pin that mongol not yeah. on my objective and yeah. um, I was like 40 reavers they can be inspired they can hold you for most of the game in mm. the end it turned up the whole game yeah. and actually they lived I killed yeah. the mongol and your two banshees but even and they like, were alive even if I didn't send the Mongol over on that side, um, you would have had I would have had forty blood reavers screaming across the board um, at my at my objective on that side anyway. So I would have 
I had to deal with that or hold, do something with that. I think you just yeah, because you had them halfway across into my territory, and then you when you did pull them back, it's like you were going for it, but then you realise actually no, it's better to hold them back. Yeah, um, because it went. It meant that actually, because I got a thirteen-inch charge, because I literally rolled a twelve, and they get plus one to charge. Yeah, it gave me all the move to really push, pull back right away yeah. from your spirit host that you set up. Yeah, and because they only moved six, I was like, actually, this is great. He's just set up his unit of nine. Yeah, pretty much on his half of the board. Ready to face you off, and then and then I just turned about and went, nah, <laughs> sodger, <laughs> I'll just come back. And then I had to like sort of. I had to then try and get them across uh, to the middle. Into, into yeah, the so I, I kind of yeah. was like, actually, I'm just going to ignore these guys and yeah. negate. I'm just going to nullify mm. how effective this big unit of nine is yeah. because it's like you say, it's going to have to conga line across the board middle now just to defend your other objective. Yeah. And it did a good job of taking it yeah. out of the game. I think the main thing for you was your second unit of six spirit hosts shouldn't have gone in the middle. They should yeah. have gone on the flank and helped the Blood Reavers. I, I had an idea, because I, I was just looking at model count at that point, and I thought, well, I've got nine sort of central, and if I get another six, if I can just even just survive enough models around of combat and then retreat them over the top, somehow get them out of that situation there and get them closer to your objective and to your heroes at the back there. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to do some sort of gambit where I might be able to clear out some of your models, get them over there, get the other nine... But they just got chomped on their way over a bit, and um, I did a bit of carnage through there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the nine. Yeah. I had an idea, but it didn't. I didn't I un- it didn't work out for me. So I think, yeah. yeah, definitely should have just put the other six on the flank with the blood blood reavers and the Mongol just to get rid of yeah. those models. Which there was only ten left by the end. Which yeah. I could have probably easily burnt that. You could have a turn or two earlier if yeah. I'd done that. The issue for you was although the Mongol was chewing through me, even if you'd retreated and put him next to the objective, which he wasn't. Yeah, I was always going to outnumber you because he's one yeah. model. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You needed six spirit hosts with him. Yeah, because they would have just like you say. I think by turn three, mm. I wouldn't have had any blood reavers. That would have been your objective. You could have left a banshee there. Yeah. And then the Mongol and six spirit hosts would have come across, across to the middle, to the taken yeah. my middle one off me, yeah. and then potentially even taken my other one. Because I was holding, all th- other than the one with my Reavers where I pinned down your Mongol, yeah. I was only holding my objectives with like one or two heroes, like yeah. one or two models, because everything else of your army I was holding with a wall. Yeah. Like my skull cannons, I charged them round, kept them in combat to create a wall against your spirit hosts like in the middle of the board my blood warriors and reavers were pushing up to your side and i was just like i'm just going to create walls here because i've only got one or two models on all of Mm. my objectives behind yeah the main issue is the mongol and like i say i just went that i'm just going to surround him with my blood reavers because they're such a big unit of 40 i had them snaked in a big line doing a big circle around the mongol with three or four guys still on my objective yeah so they were always just holding that objective inspiring presence sitting there even though I didn't kill you with them, hmm. it was just like, well, they're just going to tie you up for the whole game. Yeah. Whereas if the six spirit hosts had been there, they wouldn't have done. And yeah. then you'd have, I'd have been in trouble. Yeah. I, th- I think also like I used my hex wraiths incorrectly. What I should have done, I should use, like what I did with the hex race early in the game, just charging into the, all the blood, all the blood warriors. Yeah. Um, I should have been doing those kind of moves with the spirit hosts. Yeah. Um, and then... Just, just thinking about that. That actually then. would have been the perfect swap. The hex yeah. wraiths should have gone after the blood reavers, yeah, and the spirit hosts for the blood warriors because the blood warriors, when you charge, were on a two up save, rolling ones, yeah. but mortal wounds would kill them. The blood reavers had a six up save, yeah. So the hex wraiths would have killed just them. Just chop through a bit more. So yeah. literally, just even doing exactly what you did, mm. but just swapping the two units yeah. over. Well, I was even thinking like, 
um, have that unit of 10 hex race right on the flank and just don't even try and go for a charge. Just keep them on, on, right on the end there and just snake around the back because I don't have to worry. Like, I've, I'm, I'm on the board, so I can maneuver within three of you. Yeah. don't have to worry about the nine-inch um, denial range that you um, yeah. are able to achieve. So just come sneaking around the back and then attack Festus and attack your Sorcerer Lord with that yeah. unit of ten. Could have just come in behind your Reavers and your um, Blood Warriors. Yeah. And kept, they would have been occupied with a, a long line of of spirits. Could have made, That could have been another way it could have come around the back. Yeah. Um, and I think I might, yeah, next game I might just, just try and use my hex rates a bit differently to what I did today. Instead yeah. of trying to use them as an assault unit, use them as just that sneaky get around the back unit. Yeah. Um, tag, you know, take out smaller. Yeah. They very easily could take out a five unit hero or a couple of five unit hero, five wound heroes. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that was cool. Like, yeah. it was good to see that although it went my way in the end, I think it, could have gone the other way. Yeah, a, a couple of decisions would have needed to be made well, differently. It was my but first the time army playing was... that scenario too with a yeah. fairly new army, which I'm loving. The, yeah. the night horns. The army's especially. really good though. Yeah. I I I don't think they're top tier. Yeah, I don't think night haunts are going to win a tournament. Yeah, but I think I think they can be top quarter. Yeah, um, I think they can be pretty good because they're a counter to. Like, they're a really solid counter against KO. KO hate them yeah. for the same reason. KO have a very low mortal wound output, but lots of rend. Yep. So your army just shuts down what KO does. Yeah, well, the first my first time I played KO with them was a 1,500-point game just at my local um, GW, and, yeah, his KO army couldn't, no. couldn't do I, this. But I, even having said that, though, it was a very close game as well. That was extreme. Yeah. It was one-point difference, but it was just, yeah, yeah still... Because yeah, I a played massive counter to his effectiveness. Like yeah. when we did the doubles thing at Dan Dan's tournament the other month. That's what I got my thousand points of night haunts painted up and finished for. And we or did a practice game even, and um, we were against uh, Stormcast and KO. And mm. Dan pretty much took on the Stormcast. I just took on the KO with my night haunts. Night night haunts just obliterated the KO. Yeah, there was just no answer to it. I think I lost like a hex wraith and a Ken wraith. Yeah. <laughs> like, the Mongol and Six Spirit Hosts just killed Chemist, Ten Thunderers, Ten Arconauts. Like, they just, they cannot deal with Nighthorns. They're just, <laughs> minus one to hit from the Mongol really yeah. hurts KO when they hit on fours anyway. Yeah. And then ignoring all their rend is just, when I had a Mystic Shield on that Mongol or Spirit Host as well, <laughs> they just, they can't deal with it. Um, because they're not particularly, they they're not a particularly high model count army either. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think Nighthorns are actually really cool, especially as we see, we start to see probably more KO over here. Yeah. Oh, uh, and also looking at these, um, looking at the malign portents, the malign portents or whatever we pronounce it, um, is, uh, coming out soon. So that I can, there's new death on the horizon. Yeah. Maybe. We know there's a new Nighthorn hero coming, which yeah. is pretty cool. So. so that's usually, well, not always, it doesn't always herald a new, um, New faction, but it could be a few I new think, models. Maybe. I think Games Workshop are aware that death aren't really up there and like competing at the moment. Yeah. So, I think it would be sensible for them to be releasing death stuff, and it does mm. look very deathy. So, mm. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm definitely hopeful. But like if it, if it's anything Nighthorn, I'll just jump on it. I don't care. Yeah. Ship. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it'll be a ship. But personally, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. But yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, no, that was really fun. Um. I think we're still, like, they are our lists that we're going to take to CanCon. Pretty much, yeah. Like, mm. I think you might just play around with unit sizes, maybe. Yeah, I think um, I'll definitely split one of those units of six, two units of three. Yeah. And I'll just take take the midnight tome. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I think other than that, like I'm not changing my list. I'd already settled. Mm. That's my list. Um, I'm just learning that there's scenarios that I'm like, mm, okay, needed to move across the board is a thing. But actually, that was cool in our game. I almost did a super cheeky move on my last turn, actually, with my blood tithe with the skull cannons. Yeah. Um, because you had one objective left, and it was right in the far corner, and I'd written off. Oh, that's right. I'd yes. written off getting it, <laughs> and then actually, I went, hang on. I can do something. I've got like five blood tithe. I can burn three blood tithe to make a unit move in my hero phase. Yeah. So I just burnt all of my blood tithe to do that. Because the skull cannons move eight, I moved them eight directly towards that corner. Then in my move phase, I moved them another eight mm-hmm. so that I was only like, by that point, I think I was only about seven away. And then I rolled a nine inch charge. So I actually got into combat with your yeah. wraith. If I'd killed him, or even if, even if I hadn't killed him, but you hadn't managed to kill my cannon. It only had one. The cannon that got into range yeah, only one had one wound, wound left. Yeah. So I was like, as long as either I kill you with my attacks, which I didn't do, or you don't kill me with you your attacks. Off him. You took two wins off him. I could have burnt your objective because yeah. both my skull cannons got in range. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, this could be amazing. So knowing that Blood Tithe can get me a 16-inch move on those skull cannons, it was really cool Like knowing that they could cross the board pretty quick. And yeah. actually, because I know that that's three... I can build up to three in like a couple of turns. Yeah. So I could maybe do that a couple of times in the game. So those skull cannons for me are really like, they're just, they're what the list is for. I think um, they were definitely the man of the match, unit of the match. Yeah. Um, Even though they weren't actually doing that much, because most of my shooting attacks, you just, you just went, well, I've passed my save because I ignore rain two. Yeah. So they hardly did anything because I was shooting your general over and over and over. <laughs> and she was like, nah, nah. And I was like, James, just roll a one, please. <laughs> But they were able to just deal with everything. Like, if you, you saw a gap that you were able to just plug it with your um, cannons. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're such big bases, they block yeah. off so much board space as well. Yeah. And, yeah, being able to get them in combat with your stuff, I was like, cool, I've done some wins with the Moors, I'm going to shoot again. Yeah. And then I was like, now I'm going to shoot again. And they just did so much work. So <laughs> they were cool. Um, they did what I hoped they'd do, yeah. which they didn't do in my first practice game because I, I played them very wrong. I moved forwards against the KO shooting list, which was dumb. And I lost like two of them on my second turn. Yeah. And then they were massively neutered, but against you I had most of them for the whole game, so Yeah. We're good those shooting anyway. Except for those Banshee Howls, which were pretty cool against the low bravery units. Yeah. They did, they did quite a few yeah. wins over the course of the game, which is nice. Um nice but yeah. touch there. So um I think the next episode we do will probably be post Cancon wrap up. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Um unless yeah. we get a cheeky one in between, but I would imagine the next time we talk will be post CanCon and we'll be talking about how our armies went yeah absolutely so yeah um, are we going to do any sort of CanCon stuff like we did last year uh, like going down the day before and, and yeah we'll try what we can I mean I'm heading down on the Thursday so I'll be playing in the Shades by tournament on the Friday oh, you're going and down then Thursday. the AOS okay. is obviously Saturday Sunday which is the public holiday the Monday no, the Friday it, is it the Friday yeah ooh Okay. So I'm going, yeah, a bunch of us are going to play in Friday Shadespire okay. tournament and then Age of Sigmar Saturday, Sunday. Right, we'll so talk, we'll talk. That'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'll take Core Chosen again because that was fun last year and we'll be playing Shadespire. Yeah. And yeah, so um, that'll be really fun. So yeah, we'll record loads obviously while we're down there and, yeah. and stuff. But yeah, I think the next time we'll probably be early Feb um, doing mm. a post CanCon wrap-up episode. So yeah, yeah. I hope, you've, uh, hope everyone's enjoyed listening to this episode and we will see you on the next one. Cool, so um, happy Christmas everybody and um, hope you have a wonderful new year. Uh, Thanks for listening to the podcast this year. Thanks for another great year of Warhammer and here's to another one.
yeah, 2017's been pretty good, and yeah, hopefully 2018's great as well. So, Merry Christmas, everyone, Happy New Year, and uh, may you get lots of Warhammer in your presents. Uh-huh.